This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Yes, football season is over. I love you, football season, but you are you are done. You are XFL done. this Saturday, everybody tune in. XFL this Screw Saturday. That. Oh wow. Golf course, here we come. <laughs> Uh, that it's makes time one of us. to play golf in that, Jacksonville. That, that makes one of us. I passed a golf course today, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I want to be there right now. Uh, I'm a little nervous for Wednesday, but to be honest. Yeah. Oh, are you playing? Oh, yeah. All right, good. We got a little Players' Championship media day. Might see a golf course. Even went to Top Golf yesterday uh, in the middle of after doing a show yeah. and then waiting for the Super Bowl. You know, we we work a little bit. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, we work so hard. We it, It's it's not. You kind of flex it a little bit, but that's all right, it's, though. It's not on the beach. We're not on the beach, right? You're the, you're there for it. I was, I was I was on the beach, actually. Yeah, you were. Sorry. You yeah. Don't really work I, I, I was on point. the beach um, for a lot. But I will say it's go, go, go. Yeah. Like last night we got home at three in the morning mm-hmm. because we're on the field still. Like yesterday's a long day. Yeah. But it's not really hard work yesterday. We did a show in the morning, an hour show, mm-hmm. and then you have until eleven o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning until like six o'clock when the game stuff start, starts happening. And you have nothing to do. We're in Miami Gardens and there's really nothing to do. There's nothing around there, so we went to a top golf. Cool. <laughs> just to kill a couple hours. They yeah. didn't even let you in the stadium. Really? Yeah, I mean, I'm supposed like until for, like two. I suppose like all the security stuff like that. I mean, it's yeah, pretty stringent, right? They yeah. don't let you in until two o'clock. So okay. we were outside when we did our show, and um, but anyway, so uh, that's a, it's so weird because you're like on the go, on the go, or yep. radio row, we're collecting stuff, we're putting TV things together, and then on Sunday it's like Sunday's the easiest day of all for sure. Just and it, sit back and relax, man, enjoy it. But I always envision this: when, when the Jaguars make it. Hmm. That Sunday is a bear. That yeah. is going to be. It's so different the way we cover it because we don't care about the 49ers or Chiefs. We care mm-hmm. about the game. It's a game, and we're there, and we talk about it, and we try to get some local angles or whatever else. But it will be on steroids, and I mean like Barry Bond steroids yeah. when uh, the Jaguars make it someday. It will be so different, especially after covering so many of them. And I covered it for the Patriots back in '01, so I kind of know uh, how that exists. I do want to say this. I love you, Jacksonville. This is how much I love you. We can leave the Super Bowl this morning, 9 o'clock, just pulled in about four minutes ago. I was getting off the exit, and I'm like, I was just in Miami for the week, and Miami was fun. It was a good jo- They did a good job with the Super Bowl. Miami's mm-hmm. a great city. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a lot of cool stuff happening. We, we had an enjoyable week, and I am so glad to be home. Yeah. I love you, Jacksonville. Yeah. I am so glad to be coming back to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing, right? It absolutely is, man. Like, no one wants to stay up to 3 o'clock in the morning and, you know, smoke hookah and eat dinner every single night, right? <laughs> Not every we're, night. Hey, and we're, we're talking on Tuesdays when people are doing <laughs> yeah. that. On Tuesdays. <laughs> on Tuesdays. Imagine imagine what Sunday or, like, the weekends are like. No, thank you, man. Jacksonville's uh, it's a little more slow pace, you know? It's got a little bit of everything. And I can appreciate that. I don't have people walking down on the streets taking selfies 24-7 like in Miami, dude. It's Jacksonville's just, you know, it's, uh, it's the place for me. I think it's a place for you, too. Absolutely. It's yeah. the place to be. And glad to be here. Uh, glad to make it here. One last story from the road. Yep. Almost died got? today. Uh-oh. Not going to lie. Did you fall asleep behind the wheel? No. Okay. No. Well, what are you, well, I, I'm just guessing, no. man. Don't, don't get offended. Like I, 
offended you. I mean, what so, so there's an express lane, okay. 95 North, just out, just leaving Miami. Mm-hmm. An express lane. We're not in that one. We're in the left. So then there's three or three or four lanes outside of that express lane. And you know they got kind of like the the they look like they're not cones, but they're just like the little sticks sure. in the road. And, yeah. and they probably are floppy. You know, if you run into them, yeah. I think they are. I don't they think are sturdy because uh, a lot of them are bent over because people have done that. But so there's a left lane that's open. Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle lane, and there's two other lanes. Well, all of a sudden, I mean, we're just cruising along here. Nothing crazy. Maybe 75. And this big SUV literally comes into my lane, like right on Stewart's passenger side. Like, I mean, I see it and I like hard left swerve. And then I got to honk your horn. And then I got to overcorrect back. Dude, I'm not kidding. Like this, listen. Sometimes you you get a little lucky on the roadway. Yeah. Sometimes you, you know you like maybe over dramatize. I, I literally said, Sue, I said, okay, it's going to take me a couple miles for the heart rate to oh, go wow. down. It was one of those. It was so. It was not okay. pretty. And so then, it was a close call. And then, at high speeds. Just about an hour ago, there's a tr- there's a tire in the middle of the road mm-hmm. on the left lane, so people are kind of slow trying to avoid that. Well, somebody hit half the tire. And we have a mark all over our right side of our vehicle because it hit the hood and then the right side. Yeah. So. Stewart almost died a couple times, quite frankly. It was really. This poor heart couldn't handle it. First of all, glad you guys are okay. Second of all, most important part we can take away from the story here is, number one, you're wearing seatbelts, obviously. Yes. But number two, when that guy cut you off, what'd you do about it, Brent? Dude, I I don't don't want to. What'd you do about it, Brent? Like, I don't know where you fall. I don't that's, know where you fall I'm going. in the road rage yeah. like conversation. Yep. Now we're talking. What'd you do? Nothing. No, because he was Did going like a hundred. Uh, Brent, then, Man. You, then you go 120 in the action. I, I couldn't. I tra- vehicle I actually, and you catch him. I got to be careful what I say here. But Coos, <laughs> get the button ready. But this guy's going in and I mean, he was going like a hundred in and out. Okay. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where. Be careful now. Hey. Yeah, I don't. Care, hey, careful. Now later on, a few miles up the road, we got we got stuck behind traffic. Yeah. Because there was we heard this, you know they show there's an accident. Did you see him? Kind of wish I did. No, oh. <laughs> no, but I didn't. No, everybody was okay. Okay. But no, good, this good. one was bad. Good. It, it seriously is the time where you were like some days. I wish there were bumper cars. Yeah. On the highway, and you could literally just do that to somebody. Cruz and I almost this guy a- needed to be reprimanded. Yeah. For his actions. Kuz and I almost hit a hawk on the way to delivering pizza. Like, literally, like, within It had probably, a death wish. Yeah. A hawk literally just flew down right by my car and tried to hit, hit the grill. I don't know why it didn't, because it was, like, literally fractions of an inch. I was half convinced we were going to pull up to the winner's house with a hawk in his car. And, a hawk is, <laughs> and I'm talking a giant hawk, man. That's, I almost swore there. Uh, it it might have been like a falcon, dude. It was like a peregrine falcon thing. It was ginormous, like a vulture. Uh, those are the stories from the road. Yeah. Gosh, thank goodness we made it in here in this studio. Any good stories from Miami? Did you guys hit it up late night at all? Well, there was a lot of rain I saw on, on Twitter. Oh, my gosh. The a lot Monday. of people standing in the, you know, Waiting to get in line in the rain in puddles. Yeah, well, we luckily were in the cover, but it was going sideways during our show Saturday night. Like I, it looked like I peed down the left side of my leg. <laughs> I mean, nice. I was soaked yeah. on the left side of my leg. But outside of that, the weather was, it was actually chilly yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, no more real stories uh, because we were working. Mm-hmm. Work picked up a little bit once yeah. you guys left. Uh, Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Coos. By the way, thanks for delivering the Rennes pizza. That was fun, man. You're welcome, man. You're he welcome. was a good winner, wasn't he? The guy was um, very ecstatic to see me, almost to the point where I was concerned for him. Like, hey, dude, <laughs> I, 
that's, John, I mean, come on, man. John Barnes. Uh, I only played for three seasons here in Jacksonville. It's not that big a deal, hey, but all right. No. Dude, hey. Well, he's excited you to see Koo, sure. Hey, maybe it's because you're a radio star. Is maybe why he's maybe excited that's what it was, yeah. It was a good, like, five to ten minutes where you guys were talking, and I was just watching the Corgi run around the room. Yeah. So. <laughs> there was also a Corgi <laughs> in the house. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for dropping that off. You're and, welcome. Uh, that was fun. That was a cool contest. That yeah. was Koo's idea. I loved it. Nice job, John. Uh, thanks to Rennes Pizza for helping that out. All right, hey, a Super Bowl did happen. It did. Tony Baselli didn't get in the Hall of Fame. No, I was pissed off about that Saturday. I can't believe how emotional I was Saturday about that. I was nervous for him, sitting in the lobby, and then I was mad. Sure. And then I felt better later in the day because of Calais Campbell. How cool was that? That was, that was fantastic. That was, that was well-deserved, by the way. Yeah, so we're going to talk well a little bit about that uh, coming up uh, you know, throughout the show. And I got an interesting question or two about that. And I also dug into the Tony Baselli stuff, and I'm getting a little more clarity on this Hall of Fame uh, I don't. I don't know if it's going to make you feel better, but I'm getting a little more clarity. Uh, anyway, the Super Bowl is a Super Bowl. Pretty good game, right? Fantastic game. You enjoy yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it big time. Uh, it started off a little shaky. Started off where it was like, uh oh, here comes another Patriots uh, Rams repeat. But it was all about the fourth quarter, right? And I think the biggest thing that we're taking away from this game right now, at least I am. Well, two things really. Number one, shout out to Andy Reid, man. All right, like. I understand we don't like to use the phrase like, you know, you don't deserve something, you earn it, but Andy Reid truly did deserve that win. All right. Andy Reid, for as far as he's come in his career, the type of guy that he is, the type of energy, the type of time that he's put into head coaching, um, he deserved that win. He, he deserves to be called a Super Bowl champion, and I'm glad that he finally did. So props to Andy Reid for doing that. But also the, the, the big story from the other side of the coaching you know, line is the fact that Kyle Shanahan might have um, kind of gave that game away. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I'm listening to a lot of talk radio on the way up from Miami all the way through, and and I, I have mixed thoughts on it. And we're going to ask this in a little bit. I, I've got a couple things I want. So think about this while you're listening today, and, and we'll bring it up and then love you to jump in on the game. And we always invite the phone call, star star 690-904-362-9901. Want to get your thoughts about it, what you thought. We can do the commercials and, and the halftime. I didn't see commercials, so I don't comment commercials. You you and Coos can do that. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing about <laughs> the game. And, and the commercials, to me, have died down in the last handful of years, at the very least, maybe even more than that. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's not as big a deal as, as others uh, think it is. Halftime? I left my eyes on some hips in Miami, I think. Tell you what, uh, man, last year's with uh, Maroon 5 with his shirt off, you know, what's that dude's name? Uh, Adam, Adam Levine. Levine, yeah, with his shirt off. That was for, for, for the ladies, and I get that. This year, man, NFL 100, it's for the boys. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> some, for the boys. Some kids became men yesterday. Yeah, it's for the boys. Me, me, me and my son, man, on the couch watching. My wife probably cringing a little bit like, what's up with all those crotch shots that we're seeing? Didn't matter, man. That was for the boys last night. And I, and I was proud. I, I was proud to be an NFL fan, and I was proud to share that moment with my son. Shout out, to, shout out to J-Lo and Shakira. My guess is there will be a record of Latino nightclubs popping up oh, in yeah. the United States <laughs> now. Absolutely, man. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, but uh, but I want to get into a couple of big Super Bowl topics. Mahomes, he is – it's not the next great thing. He is the great thing now. Mm-hmm. He's a Super Bowl MVP. He's the Super Bowl winner. He also was an NFL MVP last year. And he's the most dangerous player in the game right now, I, I think. Uh, but the question is, is he the next Tom Brady, right? Is is he Joe Montana? Because you don't even say I – mean, I guess you could say is he Peyton Manning, two, two Super Bowls. But 
listen, to get to the category of are you going to be legendary and legacy is going to be holding that trophy, you got to get not necessarily to Brady's six, but you got to start approaching Joe Montana's four. You know, so and, and you got to get number two before you can get number three and four. I understand that. But my question will, and I want you to think about this. We're going to set the over and under as you sit here on a Monday after the Super Bowl when 25-year-old, not even, Patrick Mahomes is a Super Bowl champ, the face of the NFL, fun player to watch, too. Two and a half. Does he get over two and a half? Does he get three Super Bowls or more? Or does he win just one more or none in the rest of his career? That's going to be the question. want to talk about that. I also want to get into, we're going to do this right after this break, was the game won or was the game lost? You kind of hinted Shanahan, therefore it was lost. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I thought this game might have been more won, and I think Shanahan's getting a little bit more of a bad rap. It also reminded me of a game a couple of years ago, strikingly similar to a game a couple of years ago. Yeah, the Jaguars and the Patriots. There's some comparisons to that one. I'll tell you what I mean, but in some different context in one big area. That's on the way. Star Star 690-4362-9901. It's golf season, everybody. Football season is in the books. Uh, it's this Saturday. we got Seattle at D.C., L.A. at Houston. Sunday, Tampa Bay at New York, St. Louis at Dallas. Check your local listings. XFL is back in full effect. Please everybody. take notes and tell me how it goes. Maybe I'll set the DVR. <laughs> That's your segment next Monday, not mine. <laughs> don't, don't put that I'll, on me, dude. I'll tell you how I did on don't the put that on me. at Southampton. Don't put that on me. More to come. Action Sports Shacks on a Monday following Super Bowl 54. It was a good one. You, know, you see how hard that guy worked. You see how personable he is, man. He acts like a father figure in the, in the building to everybody, and you appreciate that. You appreciate it for what it is, and there's days where I see that guy's car never move, and, and you can see how much how much work he puts in on a weekly basis just to get us in the right opportunities uh, to succeed, and uh, I'm forever grateful for that, man. I'm, I'm able to, to live my life, have a paycheck. <laughs> Be able to eat because this guy puts in his 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 heart into, into what he does, and um, I'm I'm forever thankful for for how hard he is and for him how hard he's worked and uh, for him giving me the opportunity to play here in Kansas City. That's Travis Kelsey, Chiefs tight end, getting it done for the Chiefs. I thought he'd be the most important player on the field. Now there were some times where they really needed something, and he was. But I would say overall he wasn't. Williams and Tyreek Hill had a bigger game than Kelsey. But there were some big moments, and including that pass interference play. So uh, Kelsey came up big in big spots, but he really sputtered. I looked up in the third quarter. He had three catches. I was like, what's going on here? How does he only have three catches? And by the way, both tight ends who came in here, everybody talking about Highly touted. Very quiet. George Kittle especially, very quiet. I, I forgot to look at his overall numbers, but I feel like he had two or three catches tops. And then the push-off, of course, at the end of the half was big, uh, and which I think was the right call. It, yeah. I, I, you know, I can say this neutrally. If you have goggles on and you bet on a team or you want the team to win or something, I understand how you could see that either way. Mm-hmm. But I do think, like, I see it from up top. And then the replays are on the jumbotrons. And so I don't necessarily get, like, the TV view. You almost need the TV view to have a great look at it in a great opinion. Well, I saw the TV view later that night, and I think they got the call right. I, yeah. I think it was a push-off, and he fully extended, and that caused the separation, even though it was a gorgeous throw by Jimmy Garoppolo. For sure, and everyone seems to be pointing to the video um, with Kyle Rudolph against the, the Saints. Where well, he pushed true. The, it should have been a but, call. 
Oh, yeah. But, no, but let's be honest, though. There's a difference between five yards going into the end zone and, you know, a 50-yard pass, um, you know, on your side of the field, okay? Because th- that separation there was created from one reason. That's from the push-off. So there's a difference there. So that's what I would tell the people that keep pointing the Kyle Rudolph end zone uh, touchdown. I think it was the right call. I think it could have gone both ways, but I definitely see the standpoint of the, the guy pushing off. So I'm not mad at that call at all. Yeah, yeah the Kyle Rudolph call should have been a pass interference call, though. I mean, if they had called it pass yeah. interference, it's pass interference. My thing is that you lose a little bit of your, your perception as a, an official, I think, when that thing's coming at you in the corner of the end zone mm-hmm. and you're five yards from it. it. Ironically, it might be better to be further away, kind of like they were with the Kelsey, I'm sorry, the Kittle play, yeah. and you get a better understanding of that arm being extended and everything. So I almost think the sight lines were better for the Kittle call than they were for the Rudolph call down there in scrunched yardage, uh, in my opinion. But, hey, you're going to get – listen, give that as a break to the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. You're going to get some breaks. Was Williams in the end zone? Are you 100% sure on the touchdown on that third down, which could have created a heck of a fourth down call if they were to go forward or tying field goal? I think he was in. Was he undeniably in? I can't say so. So that's a break in a way for the Chiefs. Again, those are 50-50 things that happen in a game, and they could go either way, and they went the Chiefs' way. So you need a little bit of that when you win football games, and usually that happens for the winning side. Let me ask you this. Damian Williams, 104 yards rushing, one touchdown, one touchdown receiving as well. Should he have been the MVP? No, he shouldn't. No. No. I don't think Mahomes so. MVP. Yeah. He is. He's okay. the MVP. Because here's what I saw, man. I saw a guy that was under duress most of the game. This is from my viewpoint. I saw every time Patrick Mahomes hit his back foot, he had to get the heck out of there. I mean, the, that front was just killing the Chiefs offensive line. Fisher was getting schooled mm-hmm. by Joey Bosa. So he never got comfortable. And his ability to shake out of a couple of plays, including one where Bosa looked like he had him wrapped up, scramble a little bit and create in the clutch in the fourth quarter. That's where MVP awards are won, in my opinion. Yes, Williams was fantastic. Front to back, he, he helped them. Uh, he was He was valuable to them. But no doubt, in my opinion, Mahomes won that game for them in in the fourth quarter, in the final six minutes, when it had to be done, when it had to be won, when plays had to be made, when he went five for five on that drive. Mm -hmm. I think Mahomes won that thing for them. And I'll just ask, I said this to Ty because he kind of asked the same thing. And I said, listen, if there is a question between two players, one, the quarterback usually wins out, and two, the face of the league definitely will win out. (laughs) And and, and that's kind of the point I was getting at, where obviously Patrick Mahomes right now, he is the money grab of the NFL. And I, I think some of that decision might have gone towards that because I, I could I agree I could make a case for Damian Williams I, though too man it's you know, a good you know case what I'm to be saying? made it's a good I case I mean if you look at Patrick Mahomes 26 for 42 61 percent two touchdowns two interceptions 84.4 quarterback rating not that impressive he was bad Trent, for 50 minutes Trent Dilfer had a really bad Super Bowl he's still on the MVP and I get it it's the quarterback position it's the double standard you going to Disneyland all right sounds good we'll see you there all that good stuff but I guess a part of me would want to see Damian Williams win it just because the stats prove it. I get it. You don't win the game without Patrick Mahomes, but that's fine. But it's most valuable player of that game. Who had the best performance, in my opinion? If we go to stats, because it is a stat-driven league, I think Damian Williams eclipses Patrick Mahomes. And you know what? I I wouldn't sit here and argue otherwise and and passionately. 
Yeah. If, if that had happened, I mm-hmm. wouldn't have. But when you go back and watch, and I invite everybody to do this, when you go back and watch the highlights of the final six, seven minutes of that game, and even the drive before he threw the pick on the bad pass, just to get him in that position, watch how much he's escaping. Watch the no, plays he's running he for makes. his life. Don't, and, I, I and, understand and that. his ability to make plays kept them in the game right there, in my mm-hmm. opinion. You know, even on the third and 15, he's got to take a 10-step drop just to create time. Sure. Just for Tyreek Hill to be there, and then he flicks it there, and he's there, and it's a blown coverage by San Francisco. So they get a little bit of a break there as well. Uh, Won or lost this game? Which one was it? South Beach Gary's on the line. Coos, let's buzz him in and uh, get him uh, before we get to this. But I want to know, game won or lost last night? Uh, Varying opinions on that. And I think we always say it was lost. We want to blame somebody for it. Uh, What's up, South Beach Gary? Miami was a good place for Super Bowl 54. Thank you. Good afternoon, gentlemen. First of all, I haven't seen you guys since your first anniversary uh, show, and it was, it was a great time had by all. And just congratulations. You guys have done it with such knowledge, class, and style. I really appreciate you guys as hosts, and uh, many more years of success to you both. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, uh, you know, I'm not trying to my own believer, but I, I believe me, not, I did pick Kansas City by 10, and a lot of my thinking, guys, was the fact that I, I realized San Francisco was 4-12 and 12 and they didn't have Garoppolo, but it's very hard for a team to go from, like, a sub-500 record to winning it all. It's a gradual, as you know, Austin, it's a gradual process. A team learns how to win as they grow and develop, and very rarely does a team do that. So that was one of my reasons. And, you know, well, Kansas City's been, you know, an, an upper echelon team for the last couple of years. So that was my reason. And I think it showed in the second half, San Fran looked a little tight. They they weren't, uh, you know, inexperienced, showed a little bit. And, uh, you know, I just uh, didn't understand the way Shanahan, like when they, when, when Kansas City cut the lead to three and it was gaining first five yards on first down, and then they passed the next couple of downs. I think – they gave up on the run way too too quickly in the game, in my opinion. But uh, uh, Brent, it was great though to see in Austin. Great to see the uh, some of the '72 Dolphins and Don Shula on his 90th birthday. You know, voted the greatest team in NFL history to see some of those guys because it, it's been a bad with the death of three of them in the last year with Nick Bonacani, Jim Langer, and Bob Kuchenberg. But old Don Shula keeps on rolling along. It was a great thing to see and. Again, thank you guys, and I really appreciate what you guys do. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Al. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, it, Listen, the NFL puts on one heck of a show. I mean, they really do. They don't get enough credit for it. You know, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Incredible show, front to back. I thought it was great. I thought the the musicians, uh, the the uh, the national anthem, the the intro uh, was pretty cool. God bless America. With the kid running, the kid. It was great. I like that. It was just pretty. I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, By the way, when it first started, I didn't remember the commercial from last year, like the front end of that. Yep. But don't you think when you first see that, that's like Tyron Matthew as a kid? <laughs> see, people are saying Odo Beckham Jr. too a little bit. No, I mean, like, I, honestly, I remembered it, man. <laughs> like, I remember the commercial. Um, I, I thought that was genius. And then the, the, like, they had, like, the live performance and reruns on the field that's and everything. Great. And there's kids behind them. Like, what, what a the great opportunity. from St. Augustine, by the way, wearing a Jags uniform. I saw um, a black one, right? Yeah, home, yeah. home I, black I did, jersey. I, I didn't tell. see who it was. Um, yeah. Now, was, Mike, it a, was it a young? Was it a little girl? Or it was a girl. A little, well, my was a question girl. was in the commercial part where they were like that was obviously filmed before him. I didn't see a Jacksonville reference. 
Well, the, the, there wasn't a lot of references, I feel like, in general. I mean, yeah, it, was, it wasn't like, like the they main... didn't have every team referenced, but yeah. they had some of the big names of the okay. sport. Only the good ones. It was kind of, well, yeah, there's only a handful <laughs> yeah, of references, yeah, yeah. in my opinion. But, see, I like that part because they show it on the, the big screens, yep. you know, and then you could see it. And you kind of knew how it was going to finish yeah. being in the stadium. Very well done, I thought. All right, before we go to break, won or lost, in your opinion? Even I know you're, you have thoughts on Shanahan. We'll really break them down. But was the game won or lost? I think the game is always won, okay? So I'm giving 100% of the props to Andy Reid and all this stuff. But from Kyle Shanahan's perspective, if I'm a head coach in the NFL and I lose a Super Bowl, you better believe that when I leave that stadium and I take the flight home and I go lay down on my pillow and I try to fall asleep, I'm going to fall asleep knowing that I did everything in my power to match the identity of the team. If you were to ask me what is the identity of the San Francisco 49ers, I would tell you, Great defense, run the ball. They they played great defense, I mean, through, you know, three and a half quarters, basically, and they ran the ball fantastically for the first three quarters, and that fourth quarter, they didn't run the ball anymore. They they abandoned the run, and they abandoned who they were. If I'm a coach, I'm cool with losing, man. I mean, I'm, I'm not really cool with losing. I hate losing if I'm a coach. I hate losing in general. I'm not even a coach. If I'm in the Super Bowl and I lose, obviously I'm bummed, but I'm even more bummed when I don't set my team up to be successful. And to me, the 49ers, their success stemmed from the run. They did it all season, and all of a sudden they abandoned it. And that's why I'm so critical right now of Kyle Shanahan. Why I disagree with you when we come back. We're going to take a break. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, Super Bowl 54 in the books. How much of this was the fault of Kyle Shanahan? I have differing opinions than most people on this front, and I'll tell you why coming up next. Ah, uh, yeah, they had three timeouts. It was 10 to 10. Um, the last thing we were going to do was allow them to get the ball with three timeouts, especially with their quarterback and offensive speed. Um, to go in there and score beha- before half felt real good. Um, 10 to 10, especially with us starting with the ball. Um, thought it played out all right. Thought we should have got points, but um, they um, ended up calling that P.I. on Kittle. So it took it away. That's Kyle Shanahan talking about the sequence late in the half, where I think he's probably getting more criticized than anything else, although people are criticizing for the run. So before the break, I I asked, won or lost, what was the game? And I agree with you, Austin. I I think this game was won by the Chiefs. They made clutch plays down the stretch. I think that's sports. I think we. I, I get so tired of us so quick to just blame everything on coaching. All the time. And here we are again on a Monday, and I think we're doing it again. Guys made plays. I've heard some analysts say that second and five play where they play action after the run, what everybody's talking about, where they picked up five yards on first down, the play was there, but Chris Jones made a great play, Hmm. and he knocked it down. Players make plays. Now, listen, I would criticize Jimmy G in this situation more than anybody for missing Emmanuel Sanders. If you want to raise the trophy. He's open. Yeah. yeah, listen, nothing's easy in the NFL. But if you want to raise the trophy at the end of the day, if you want to be the best team, those are the plays people make. They make that kind of play to put the game away, and you walk off a winner. And he didn't. He didn't make it. He missed the overthrow. Now, they had other chances and all this stuff, but they missed it. And that would have been a chance for Jimmy Garoppolo. I would criticize that play probably above anything else. Now, there's certainly plays to go back on in second guess. We're always going to do that, and that's okay. Let me say this first of all. How close was this to the AFC Championship game in some respect two years ago, Jags and Patriots? Jaguars get criticized for sitting on the ball at the end of the half in that game and mm-hmm. not being aggressive against New England Patriots who have the firepower and have Tom Brady. 
Doug Marone got highly criticized, even by Philadelphia Eagles coach Doug Peterson, in a book. Yeah. Go to the fourth quarter. Patriots, uh, Jags were up t- twenty to ten. They give up what? That third and eighteen play. Mm-hmm. San Francisco gives up the third and fifteen play. What I think is really ironic here is the Jaguars, who were a team that was built to run the football, stuck with the run in the final 10 minutes and have been lambasted ever since because they were too conservative to against the Patriots with a lead in the fourth quarter. And they just were trying to hold on at the end is the way it's perceived. What's fascinating to me is Kyle Shanahan is getting lambasted for being aggressive against a team that can score because he was trying to put the game away. Mm-hmm. You see my point? It's it's funny how it goes down where the Jag- if you go back to those two games, the Jags get crushed because they were being conservative for running the football. Shanahan being crushed for being aggressive and throwing the football. So I, I think that is an interesting tie to the game, and the score was even equal. Uh, and you know the other team's dangerous in the fourth quarter. Kansas City, New England was the same way. So a little bit of that was eerily similar to me in some of the same conversations from before the half to the third and 15, third and 18. And, uh, yeah, I do think the Jaguars got too conservative in that game. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think Shanahan was wrong with his play calling here in this one. So I think he was, and, and here's why. If you want to compare the Jaguars game with Leonard Fournette where they ran the ball a lot and they they seemed conservative and fans have a problem with that, remember Leonard Fournette's stats that game. I think he averaged like something like three yards a carry, okay? If we go back to last night and what the 49ers are averaging, Mostert was running averaging 4.8 yards a carry. Tevin Coleman, 5.6 yards a carry. Debo Samuel, 17.7 yards a carry. Yeah. Okay, uh, off those jet sweeps. So the Chiefs can stop it. Let okay? me jump in. Go ahead. I was li- and this is not me talking because that's a great point. Because that's what I thought. The Chiefs are blitzing. No, no, no. Okay. What Dan Orlovsky, if on ESPN six ninety, just about an hour and a half ago, I think it was mm-hmm. with Jason Fitz, mm-hmm. first take your take. He had him on for a couple minutes, and he said on that around that second and five play where they were throwing the football, he said go back and look at the runs, like the six, seven, or eight runs prior to, and it's gains of like one yard, zero yards two yards then there's a couple of fives in there but then it goes to one yard so yes you're not wrong the overall compilation of the first three quarters was they had this crazy i mean at one time it was like 9.3 yards a carry it was crazy they're running the football like nuts but in the fourth quarter kansas city's defense did a better job against the run and therefore I don't know if that defends the pass. I'm just saying in the last six or seven runs, according to Orlowski, the carries were – the totals were way down. Well, it was getting clamped up a little bit. Kansas City started blitzing at the end because they're just – you know, they're they're playing to win. I mean, they had yeah. nothing else to lose. They had to get So they're, they're to bringing go. the house. Yeah. Either it was a turnover, either it was a quarterback sack and a fumble, or it was stopping behind the line. I mean, they were bringing a lot of people. Yeah. So I get what you're saying there. But there's always ways to counter that. Once again, going back to Debo Samuel with that jet sweep. If they're going to blitz from one side, audible out and run the other way. Simple as that. So, I, I mean, I get what Arlowski's saying there, but you can still run the ball. Yeah. Okay? And then listen, you don't average 4.8 or 5.6 or 17.7 and not have faith in your running game. Now, I get it. You you were one pass away from winning the game with Sanders going deep, okay? Jimmy Garoppolo missed that pass. Um, you're a couple plays here, a couple plays here. You're a George Kittle penalty away from possibly winning the game, too, and I get that. But my point is, 
why not put your guys in the best position to win? Okay, and I get it. Football players got to make football plays, and I understand that it completely. You're paying Jimmy G all this money. He has to make that throw, not taking any blame off him. But at the same time, if I'm Kyle Shanahan and I'm looking at my team, I'm like, Gus, we've been running the ball all year. Okay, Kansas City defensive line, they're pretty good. Chris Jones, yeah, he's pretty legit. Frank Clark, good guy. But you know what? I think our offensive line's better. Now let's go out there and win the game. That's what I would think no matter what the scenario was, especially if I had the lead. Let me ask you this. Who deserves the most blame? If you, uh, Everybody's going to get blamed. When you lose, you don't make plays. You don't make enough plays. Garoppolo for a couple misfires, and he did get sketchy toward end. I, for a time there, he was playing brilliant football and making big plays. There was a stretch in that game. In, in fact, following the in- interception, I remember tweeting about a stat that somebody had, mm-hmm. brought him right down the field, tied the game up, then in the third quarter made clutch plays. They scored on like three straight possessions, I think it was, and he looked good. But then he faded. He faded in the fourth quarter. I, his numbers were not good in the fourth quarter. Under duress, they said, I think they were 0, and 6, 0 for 6 in the fourth quarter. Uh, and they did start hitting him. They hit him. They popped him pretty good in the fourth quarter twice. Uh, didn't sack him, but popped him because they were bringing that blitz. But anyway, Jimmy G, Shanahan, or the part of this thing that's getting bailed out in a big time way today, and I don't hear many people talking about, is the defense. Mm-hmm. The defense had a 10 point lead. Much like I say about the Jags, you can talk about that 17 team was built on the defense. If I give you a 10 point lead, with the best defense in the league, 17 for the Jags, 19 here for the 49ers, a 10-point lead. I don't care if you're playing the greatest show on turf, the Chiefs, the whatever, the Patriots, the whatever. If I give you that with 10 minutes or less to go in a game, and I've got the best defense in the NFL, your job's to close the damn deal. Close but, it. Yeah. I, that defense no. is not getting any, any blame today, it doesn't feel like. And they didn't do anything for but, the last... Seven minutes of the game. But they gave up 21 if points, you're the man, 49ers, in seven though, Brent, minutes. If you're the 49ers, though, you have to let history be the indicator a little bit of what happened during this playoff run here for the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay? You go back to that Houston game. When Houston was absolutely trouncing, I'm going to look like, all right, well, I guess we're going to have an AFC South uh, matchup, you know, for the AFC Championship just because... Houston, for the first you know quarter, was putting it on them. And everyone was like, you know what? I'm ready to write Kansas City off right now. There's no way they can come back from that detrimental of a lead. Well, what happened? They came back easily. They came back with a, with a firepower and explosiveness, easily beat the Houston Texans. Exact same thing at Tennessee Titans. Tennessee comes out, runs the ball down Kansas City's throats, and it's, it's like, oh, Tennessee's looking pretty good. They have the momentum. They can slow this game down a little bit, and they're going to win in KC. Tennessee Titans in the Super Bowl. But what happened again? Fourth quarter. Here comes Patrick Mahomes. Here comes the Kansas City Chiefs. High-powered. Explosive. Boom. Wasn't even a close game at the end. Kansas City Chiefs all day. So if I'm the 49ers, yes, the 49ers defense, they're better than Tennessee Titans. They're better than Houston Texans. Without a doubt. I mean, night and day better. Don't get me wrong. But that's got to be in the back of your head where yeah. it's like, you know what? This offense is so good where we can't fall asleep behind the wheel. We have to try to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field as much as possible. We can't take that offense for granted. And they kind of did, I think. Yeah, I thought they earned every bit of their, uh, with the exception of the last put away touchdown. Mm-hmm. Those two drives, even though they scored and took the lead, I thought they earned every bit of it. You know, I mean, that's why I kind of feel like they won the game. Like Kansas City won that game against an elite defense under pressure, under duress a lot. There were hits on Mahomes. And, yeah, there was a blown coverage here or a misstep here. But that's sports, man. That is sports. That, that's what happens. Guys make plays. Guys don't make plays. Guys strike guys out. Guys hit home runs. 
Guys miss jumpers, they make jumpers. I mean, that's what happens. So that's why I thought this was a good game in that respect. I'm not big on the GOAT card in this one. I really don't think this will be like a poster child to be in the GOAT. I think it gets tied to Shanahan because of the Atlanta thing against the Patriots. And I think in this one sole instance, I don't know if that's quite fair. Uh, I, I don't know if it's quite fair to do that to Jimmy G. He had a chance, and some guys deliver in the moment, some guys don't. Uh, and then you have to talk about the defense a little bit. Can they make the one play? You know, can they close it out? Richard Sherman, Joey Bosa, these guys, I mean, they were that guy all year long, and they couldn't deliver. So I think you tip your cap a lot to the Kansas City Chiefs, and all those facets will get blamed for the 49ers. I do think it proves to me this. This is what I feel coming out of the game. You, They did about as – Robert Sala and that San Francisco defense did about as good a job as anybody's done all year for – 53 minutes against mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs. They really did. I mean, they looked frustrated. Yeah. I was watching that. I was trying to watch from my angle, and I don't do this X's and O's wise, but I'm like, how can there not be something out here? There's always something out there for the Chiefs offense. Always. Mm-hmm. Is he? Is Mahomes just missing? Is he just, oh. There wasn't a whole lot out there, man. Yeah. They made him, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like with that zone, they made him try to fit stuff in like a window between – like 12 and 25 yards over the top of the linebackers underneath the, the secondary. Yeah. And he, and he didn't have a lot to play with there. He did it once or twice and then he tried to force the throw on the, the interception, well, yeah. which was a terrible throw. But I just thought they did such a good job. But my takeaway is when you're that good offensively and they have that many weapons, it's hard to do it for 60 minutes. Yeah. It's just hard to do it. Yeah. You got to hold the rope for too long mm-hmm. and they just let the rope slip, I feel like, yeah. in that game. I mean, dude, it's almost like heavyweight boxing where it's like you try for 12 rounds not to get that one punch is going to knock you out, right? And for 11, for 11 rounds, the 49ers did a fantastic job. And then fourth quarter, 12th round, Tyreek Hill, he bit on the cheese and he's wide open. And from the 49ers' perspective, I thought, I thought it, was a, it was a great game plan. And the, the beauty behind it was... It was nothing new. It wasn't like this some exotic thing like we saw from New England last year against the Rams, right? Yeah, that, yeah. that was something they fresh. Something that different. was something new. Dude, it was a lot of cover three, and they just sent four every single time. Now, one could say they change up their scheme a little bit from the NFC Championship game where they almost blitz on every single down, okay? But from the Super Bowl game, they didn't really do anything out of the ordinary, you know? And it kind of echoes what Matt Patricia said at the Senior Bowl. When, when you're game planning for Patrick Mahomes, you can't blitz the guy. You, or usually you can't because he's going to see that. He's going to find the right open dude and it's game over. What you have to do is you have to play it back. You have to rush for whoever you got and you just have to bide your time. And that's almost counterintuitive of how to stop Patrick Mahomes because the last thing you feel like you want to do is give Patrick Mahomes time. You, you, you want to give him time to analyze the field and see the wide open receiver, especially being so explosive. But at the same time, for whatever reason, Mahomes has that internal clock. After four or five seconds, it's like, ooh, I, I, I got to panic. I have to try to pick something in there. I can't throw the ball away. And we saw that. We saw that in the turnovers. You saw that in the interceptions a little bit. So I thought it was a genius, um, you know, kind of game calling for Robert Sala. And obviously the wide nine, Chris Kasarik was doing his thing too as well. But once again, all it takes is one play. And I think that's probably the biggest thing with the Kansas City Chiefs is you cannot afford to give up even one of those home run balls. And unfortunately, you did. That was a knockout blow. It yeah. was. That one, that third and 15, 44 yards was a knockout blow. And you mm-hmm. can't do it. If you want, again, much like Jimmy G, if he wants to win the Super Bowl, you need to complete that pass and put the game away and go win the game. Mm-hmm. Guys that are heroes and go to Disney World for that 
win the game and hit that pass. Well, it's the same to be said for the San Francisco defense. You can't allow that to happen. It's going all the way back. You can blame everything you want to blame on that AFC Championship game in New England. Miles Jack wasn't down. Conservative offense. Don't trust Blake Bortles. Couldn't run the ball. Three and outs. All this stuff. To me, it was third and 18. Third and 18 will always be the reason they lost that football game because you had the best defense in the NFL and you gave up third and freaking 18. Well, these guys had the best defense in the NFL and they gave up third and freaking 15. Mm -hmm. And they can't do it. Not if you want to hold the trophy is my point. You can't. You can do it maybe in the regular season and give it up and come back and rally or or next week there's another game and you win your division because you lost the cup. You can't do it in this game. Those mistakes can't be made, and you win the big thing. It just doesn't happen in the postseason, especially the Super Bowl, in my opinion. We're going to talk about Mahomes a little bit more. Likeable guy, right? Super yeah. likable guy. Uh, likable franchise. I said that in the last couple of weeks. I think they're much like the Saints in that regard. Uh, I do wonder if Mahomes starts winning, much like the Patriots, do they become this annoying franchise because of it? Because a lot of teams do that, right? The Yankees well, over the years, the well, let's Duke be over fair, the years. Though, man, I think with Andy Reid, it's starting to be annoying. Because uh, I, yeah, I think I think with Andy Reid, you got yeah respect. Like yeah. with Bill Belichick, annoying. He kind of comes off as this yeah. cold, you know, calculated yeah, killer kind of dude. Yeah. And like Andy Reid's the exact opposite. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it won't be a love fest maybe if they keep winning because no. people like to try to tear that team down. Sure. But I guess my question is this: Look at the next few years. You know what people don't talk about is Jimmy Garoppolo. Really just played his first full season. Missed all last year. Had played sparingly prior to that. Patrick Mahomes actually is more seasoned, even at a younger age. Played two full years. Give me the next three years. Who's in better shape? San Francisco or Kansas City? Kansas City. Do you know what? Do you do you know what Kansas City's worst enemy is going to be the next couple of years? I think paychecks. honestly, it's the, the paychecks. Cap. It's the salary cap. Yeah, I mean cause because Mahomes is going to break the bank. Well, obviously, I mean, million million dollar guy, I mean, uh, unless he wants to take the Tom Brady route, which is like, yeah, you know what? I, I want to make kind of like the, the lower minimum here so he can kind of keep the guys on the yeah, team. Which I, don't, I, do I that. don't think he's going to. No, he's not going to do the that. The agents at all. don't allow him to do no, that. No, no, for sure. They want to reset so, the market. So Mahomes is going to break the bank. Then you have to ask the question: What is Travis Kelsey going to do? I think Travis Kelsey is the type of guy that wants to break the bank as well, and rightfully so. He's probably, right now, the best tight end in the NFL. So he's going to break the bank as well. So with that being said, man, and if we use history as our guide here as well, anytime you have the highest-paid quarterback, I mean, Russell Wilson kind of excluded it this year because they made it work, but it's hard to you know get back to, the, to that big game, to the Super Bowl, when you have the highest-paid quarterback just because it's so hard to keep the other pieces around you. But what I think Kansas City does have going for them, Brent, is the fact that they have the system in place, right? We always talk about Tyreek Hill. He was kind of that short guy that, yeah, he had the speed, but not a lot of teams wanted to give him a chance. Well, that's been the Kansas City Chiefs' M.O. since I played, since they drafted Dexter McCluster out of Ole Miss back in 2010. They have a, they kind of have an idea of the kind of guys they, they want to take in the draft. It doesn't matter if other teams think that's highly or not. doesn't matter. Kansas City has their guys. They get Miko Hardman. They get Robinson, and they just reload and reload and reload. So... Travis Kelsey is obviously a big question mark. What's going to happen with him? But when you see all their weapons, man, it's hard to believe that they're just going to, you know, slide downhill. Especially because think about this too, Brent. The running game, and I get it. Damian Williams had a fantastic game. Good mm-hmm. on him. They had LaShawn McCoy this season. He kind of, you know, he's obviously in the back nine of his career. Yeah, they didn't even use him. They did this without a running game, essentially. You know, and I think if you're able to get like a bona fide back, kind of like what Cream Hunt was back in the day before he got in all that trouble. 
man, I think that the sky's honestly the limit for the Kansas City Chiefs. And the 49ers, on the other hand, <clears throat> once again, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like George Kittle, I think he has to get paid eventually, correct? Um, yeah, he will yeah. have to. Um, their defense would probably have to pay some of those guys as well. I, I like the Chiefs, honestly, going forward more than the 49ers. It's interesting because you could think about that complete. I mean, Bosa's a rookie. He is. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel. Great draft. <laughs> yeah. Great draft. Yeah, rookie. And so for the next three years before you have to pay those guys, you know, they're already paying the quarterback spot. Mm-hmm. They've got an offensive line. Now Staley's getting up there. Uh, I, you know, here's the drop-off, in my opinion, that they have to be careful of. Sherman, yeah, right. Yep. Played great. Played great. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you can count on that year again. Here, here's the way I view the two teams. One is if I look at recent defenses that have been really good, they've dropped off. Mm-hmm. Jaguars being one of them. Bears. Chicago being another. So look at the last three, the best defenses or one of the best defenses sure. in the NFL. Jags. They dropped off the top five. I'm just saying they weren't as dominant yeah. last year. Yep, Chicago's, right. they weren't bad defensively this year. They but weren't they, as they dominant. Weren't, yeah. This defense was dominant. So what the trend shows us is they won't be as dominant next year. Mm-hmm. Sherman, some of their big key free agents, Quan Alexander, D. Ford, that really played well and paid off. Will they continue to do that? The trend says no, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So that's my problem with San Francisco from a defensive standpoint. And I still think there's some growth that needs to be done for Jimmy Garoppolo to take the reins of that team. I'm not convinced he won't do it. But I think we're still talking three years down the road maybe until he becomes that kind of guy if he's capable of. On the Chiefs side of things, my one problem, and we'll get into this a little bit more when I talk about Mahomes, is their offense of this year and last year quite arguably could be the best offense Patrick Mahomes ever plays with. Mm-hmm. It only goes downhill from here offensively, in my opinion. I don't know yeah. if there's an uphill from here. They have been so good. So, so good. Can they keep everybody? Well, Will yeah. guys stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Because if they lose one cog in there, they're different. Yeah. They're a lot different. Well, so uh, yeah. that's my concern with the Chiefs offensively is, yeah, they're going to be good. But are they going to be this good? Well, an ironic thing, too, is one of those main cogs in Tyree Kill they were able to sign for a kind of a discount because the guy got in trouble, right? And I think he just kind of like, oh, he's like, he's thankful. You know what? I got in trouble. They're offering me this deal. I'm going to take it while I can. So, like, they got him at a discount just because the guy got in trouble, which is kind of a catch-22 if you ask me. But, I mean, obviously he's a big cog in what they do in offense. And this is the other thing. I look at guys like Frank Clark. I look at Tyree Kill. I look at the – can you trust them to stay out of any kind of trouble? Mm-hmm. They've had some issues in the past here or there. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not trying to tear them down, their character. I'm just saying, do they stay out of any issues that could upset their locker room, upset them being on the field? You know, well, you saw it happen. They to don't Kareem, have the all good guy team on that roster. You saw it happen to Kareem Hunt. You know, I mean, it's kind of good, kind of a blessing that they got rid of him when they did because Kareem Hunt got pulled over with uh, marijuana in his car. Coming up next, we'll talk about some of the good guys. From Jacksonville, Tony Baselli doesn't get in the Hall of Fame. Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winner for 2019, Calais Campbell. He earned it. We'll talk about it next on ESPN 690. I mean, you can see it in guys' eyes in there. It, it means something to guys. And uh, that means you got guys who care about what they're doing, guys who care about each other. And, uh, you know, we're a young team. Got a, got a very bright future. So, um, you know, got to take this in stride, remember this feeling, and, you know, let it fuel us in the, in the offseason. That's Jimmy Garoppolo, and 
What are you going to say? I mean, that's what people say. when you, you uh, It's almost scripted what people say when they win, what they say when they lose. They all feel the same way. And when you win, you say this. When you lose, you say that. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's what it is. But the bottom line is, you know, and, and I felt this immediately for the Jags back in 17. And I think the Saints are a great example of this. The Ravens this year are a great example of this. I can name you five teams every year that are a great example of this. When you get to a certain point, when you're the Jags in 17 and you get 10 minutes away from going to the Super Bowl, when you are the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo and you build this thing and you have this kind of season and you are 10, seven minutes away from winning the Super Bowl, I don't know how you can't think today and be like, gosh, I don't know if we're ever going to get this chance again. Like, ever is a long way. I'm talking about the players in that room. Mm-hmm. And I, while you hope it builds and there's momentum, where you said before the break, there's so many trends that show teams dip. One, they stay healthy. Two, they got a little lucky. Three, they had guys with career years. All those things. Mm-hmm. The Jaguars dipped. Last year, the Bears dipped. San Francisco might dip. I even said this. Will Baltimore be as good as they were? They had 12 Pro Bowlers. You don't send 12 guys to the Pro Bowl every year. And just yeah. health in general. I think the Jags were a great example of that. 17 to 18, they got, they were lucky with the health. 17, they were super unlucky health-wise. Now, things went worse because of other reasons, too, but super unlucky. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's a tough league to say, yeah, we're young. We're going to be back. I don't know, man. I don't even feel like the Chiefs are going to be back. I, I just don't feel the odds are so stacked against you in the NFL to do it again and make an appearance in this game, which also puts an exclamation point on how good that mini run from Seattle was, but really how good this two-decade run for the New England Patriots has been. I mean, it's it's like we always say, Brennan, and I'm very adamant about, as far as New England's concerned, we're never going to see that again, I feel like, especially with the salary cap, the way it's set up and the contracts and everything. Uh, I just don't think we'll see another Patriots dynasty like that ever again. To get back to the Chiefs and the 49ers standpoint, yeah, you know, and... Yeah, obviously coaching is huge, and you know the, the personnel is huge. But don't don't get it twisted, man. You need a lot of luck as well. And, and when I say you need a lot of luck, I'm talking about injuries, okay? Because I remember sitting here during the preseason, Brent, and we both discussed the, the San Diego, oh no, San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers, you know, being one of the teams to beat. And then they had their slew of injuries, and they never caught up. I mean, all it takes is one injury to put the whole thing just, you know, behind the fence. But at the same time, Drew Brees gets hurt, Teddy Bridgewater comes in, and look what the Saints did. So maybe I'm wrong a little bit, but I just think so many things have to go right um, to get to the Super Bowl and and to try to repeat, if you will. And nine times out of ten, usually those things – they end up coming to bite you back in the butt the following season. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't help but think of every time I'm at the Super Bowl and watching the confetti go down and looking at the confetti and the celebration and all the staff that goes out there, whether it's been the Patriots, the Seahawks, I've seen Denver, uh, you know, the Eagles, and, and, you know, this year, obviously the Chiefs, and you really think about it with the Chiefs, and you just look around and you're like, my gosh, this is going to be so much fun when it happens mm-hmm. for the Jaguars. And then I check myself and I'm like, I might be collecting social security when it happens. Like, and it's not because the Jags have not been good. Mm. It's because it's so damn hard. 
Mm. It's like that hard to do. You can be good and not get there. You can feel like you're good enough to be there and still not get there. And then once you get there, you got to win <laughs> yeah. or it's totally different. So that's reality. I know that sounds cliche, but it's reality and it really hits you when you're there. I know when, and it has. I mean, I've been there, I think, seven or eight years in a row. And it, I always run through in my mind because I actually think from a logis- logistical standpoint, how are we going to cover this thing when it, when it, if the Patriots, I mean, the ja- Patriots, if the Jags are in it. So, um, well, it's it's fascinating to think about it like that, but it's hard. And think the Chiefs man waited fifty years. But, but let's be honest, though, bro. Fifty. No, and I understand that. But I think what makes it frustrating more than anything to be a Jaguars fan is that you had your taste in 2017. Yeah. You know, you you were a couple plays away from going to the Super Bowl, and you had a lot of um you know hope built up following next season. New England comes in, you beat the brakes off the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. Everyone's getting the Super Bowl tickets ready. I was doing it. I'm like, oh, yeah, Jacksonville, this is their year for sure. 2018, here we come. And then just everything falls off. The wheels fall off, and it skids off the road. And when you talk about that, well, with the Chiefs, yeah, they had to wait 50 years. But guess what? There was optimism this year, Brent. All right. There was hope this year yeah. because if you go back to the last year, AFC championship game, the Patriots, you know, a couple plays here, a couple plays here, and it could have been the Chiefs. But you know what? The Chiefs still found a way to get it done this year. And then that's the biggest part of the fact that, you know, teams like the Saints, uh, the 49ers are kind of an outlier because Jimmy G was hurt last, you know, a couple years ago. So they're yeah, an outlier. But at least usually with these teams, Brent, where if they do make that playoff run, if they do get close, at least you have that optimism for next season. At least you can build off that. And the Jacksonville Jaguars from 2017, 2018, and until now, you haven't had that. And really since 2008. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to validate their losing ways and say it's hard to win a Super Bowl mm-hmm. because there are stages to it. There are stages of let's knock on the door. Let's be competitive. Let's feel like in December we're going to get to the playoffs. Let's at least be in the dance three, four, five years in a row. And Kansas City's been there before. Mm -hmm. So there's that, no doubt. And then there's that next level. Right now the Jags are way back at that bottom rung trying to get to the middle level of – Hey, let's be in the mix in December. And then I always think that next level is let's get to that dance and try to make a run, which they did in 17. And few people predicted that they would be able to go as far as they did, if you remember. And then the last step is getting all the way to that top of the mountain, which is so tough to do. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos here Monday after a Super Bowl week in Miami. It was a really good week. Uh, and obviously the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champs. Part of the week, Tony Vaselli and Hall of Fame. I, I got to be honest with you, man. I was a little surprised this time around, and and I have a hard time telling you about the feelings of it. I've covered this four years in a row for Tony now being a finalist, and during the week you talk to people, and you're like, hey, what do you think? What do you think? And people say so many nice things about all the candidates, but Tony included, and they're like, I got a good feeling. I got a good feeling. So you get to Saturday, meaning me, and I feel like, oh, he's got a great chance to get in. That's going to be great. Great. And then he doesn't get in. So what I've learned now is I really didn't ask many people what they thought this time around because I already know what they think and what they've said in the past. And I really didn't have any feeling going into Saturday. But I will tell you this. We all talked about this class showcases there's room for anybody. It's wide open outside of Palomalu is the way we thought about it when we handicapped it. It's a very tough thing to handicap with the 48 voters. So we're in the hotel where Tony's staying up in one of the rooms. 
And there's a bunch going on in the hotel now. I mean, we're talking Saturday before the Super Bowl. Place is rocking on South Beach, and we're in the lobby, and we're waiting and waiting, and we know it's coming down around three o'clock. I see the voters start coming down, so I know it's done. And so now they're just tallying votes and waiting to make decisions. And I'm looking for the big guy Baker, you know, the president there of the Hall of Fame. I'm waiting to see where he walks, and and now I know it's for real, and I don't see him. But then we see Leroy Butler say he didn't make it in. Yeah, and we don't hear from Tony, and we kind of text back and forth with tony our our action sports jacks team and we're not hearing from tony mm-hmm. so we're like "Ooh, wait a minute now here we go here we go like yeah. and we're talking amongst ourselves now i'm like actually nervous for tony Vaselli. like i've got like butterflies for him i'm like this is gonna be awesome this yeah. is gonna be like i'm starting to feel it and then he texted me and said didn't happen yeah and so for there was like this five minute stretch and i was like i think this is gonna happen like, yeah. I really think it's going to happen. Like, more than I've ever thought it was going to happen in the last you're, few years. You're getting your hopes up, yeah. And then he said it didn't happen. And he handles it way better than the rest. By that time, I was kind of pissed. I was probably sending out nasty tweets and all this stuff at the time. Sure. But, I mean, you really get it, – it's a tough process. It's a tough pro- – not for me. I mean, it's a tough process for everybody because I think people have their pom-poms on around here. It would mean a lot. I Don't, don't sleep on. I think people are a little fatigued of the story in a way because it's like, okay, when's it going to happen? It feels like it's the same thing. I get that part of it. But don't sleep on the fact how big of a deal this is. Yeah. To get your first player in this franchise's history in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it would have come in the 25th season of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, it's big for the city of Jacksonville. And by the way, we could use a little pick-me-up moment when it comes to the Jags around here. <laughs> Tell me about and it. so, I, it's a big deal. And... Um, it stinks that it didn't happen. And so now I'm on, like, the investigative team of this. Now I'm starting to... <laughs> Brent, Brent wants some answers, man. I do. I do. He's, he's going Liam Neeson on these well, people. You, I like it. Well, you heard a lot. Listen, I'm not getting Tony Baselli in the Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm, yeah. I know we all joke about it sometimes. We had Stu Gatz on. We said we want the credit for it, and everybody in town well, wants we, credit we for it. We have to start threatening people yeah. here, Brent. Yeah. 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 We have to start knocking down some doors. But now I really want to try to figure out what is going on with it. And a lot of people point to Sam Kavara. She's the presenter of it. And I'm telling you, and, and I think you've heard other media folks echo this, and I've asked voters how the presentation is. And it's not about that. No, it's not. Not, not at all. It's not. So uh, I, I don't know if it's I don't know if we should be defending Sam or not. I just know social media gets on Sam and says we need to change the presenter. No, put Prisco in. Yeah, put Dan in. Put put you in, Brett. Doesn't matter who else. It's yeah. not. That's not it. Mm-hmm. Um, I as far as I can tell, that's not it. The longevity is a sticking point with some of these guys that you want to just go punch some of the guys in the face. Correct. I, I mean, it really is. It, it, it's like to the point where they are old, stodgy guys. It's, I said this last week. It's the, it's, it's not necessarily old, stodgy guy, but it's the guy that didn't vote for Jeter to get in the hall. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It's, it's you're not budging that guy because that guy doesn't want 100%, right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Like, you're not getting through to that guy. Well, there are a couple of those guys in the room. There's only 48 votes, and there are a couple of those guys in the room. But I dug a little bit deeper on this part of it, and I thought this was interesting. Talked to a couple of voters, and this made sense to me. There were three primary offensive linemen that had a chance this year. Steve Hutchinson, who ended up getting in, a guard, mm-hmm. and Alan Fanica, a longtime Steeler, a uh, guard. Now, uh, our case for Tony was he's a tackle and one of the greats of all time. And quite honestly, I don't think anybody's saying Steve Hutchinson or uh, Alan Fanica are two of the greats of all time. I mean, people put Tony in, might have played it 
like as good as anybody who ever played the position. Mm-hmm. So they're in different contexts, in my opinion, but longevity comes into play. So the voters kind of he told me, he's like, well, a lot of times people will just vote for one offensive lineman. So when you have three worthy candidates, especially that maybe now have knocked on the door a couple of years like Hutchinson and, and uh, Tony, they split votes because people might put like a defensive end in yeah. a safety in. They're putting uh, Palomalu in right there. Atwater ends up going in a wide receiver in, but they don't want to necessarily in their mind say, all right, I'm going to put two offensive linemen in or three mm-hmm. offensive linemen in. You know what I mean? We do that. I think that's by nature. I don't think that's like purposeful. <laughs> or I think that's a subconscious play. And so they split votes. So if you combine the split votes that could potentially happen with the fact that some are stuck on the longevity part of this for Tony, I think that's where he's coming up a shade short. And I think he came up just a shade short this year. And I'm talking the closest it's ever been. So then I did have one guy. He said he voted for all three, but for all three offensive linemen. Sure. But that's very unique. So I, I thought that was a decent explainer. I, I'm not well, saying it's a good excuse, but I thought that was a decent explainer of how things I mean, it's no different than if you're voting in, in, in political race. Right. <laughs> if you have an independent or some, somebody stealing votes somewhere, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I think the offensive linemen might be eating at each other in a in a process like this for this year. All right. So. Here's where I sit with the whole Tony Baselli thing, okay? And I have a lot of respect for sports journalists. Um, I'm still fairly new to this game, so it's not my place to call anybody out, okay? But a lot of those guys in the room, Brent, they're, they're sports journalists, right? They, they they cover their respective teams, or they, they cover the league, and they do what they do. And I think that, for the most part, they're very knowledgeable in the game of football. Obviously, they have their job, and they do what they do. But... To sit here and say, well, who's a great left tackle? Who's an okay left tackle? To just go by longevity is not right, okay? And how many of those guys actually watch film of Tony Baselli? I have no idea. I'm sure it's not a lot of them. And do you know what? I wouldn't do it, right? Like, I I watch games, and I love watching NFL games. I love breaking them down. I love breaking down the schemes. But guess what, man? I don't like watch offensive lines, okay? Because it's boring. I'm going to come out and say it. It's boring to watch offensive lines. There's no numbers to stack up. And I think a lot of people would agree with me. If, If I go on the street right now, if I go to a sports, you know, expert in football, and I ask, who was the best left tackle this year? Some guys would probably tell me Stanley from Baltimore. Some guys might tell me Bakhtiari from Green Bay. Maybe even Tunzel from Houston, okay? Yeah. I mean, like, it's up for debate. But do you know what I would do? I would go ask around. I would go ask the best defensive ends in the league, who's the best offensive tackle of this past season? And I would, I would listen to their word. Because their word, to me, counts more than what I see on film. Their word, to me, counts more than what I see on NFL Red Zone, maybe 10, you know, 10 minutes a pop, okay? So that's what I would do. I understand that we have to throw around all these statistics and be like, all right, so this guy played so and so many years. He had so and so many pro balls, yada, yada, yada. Here's what Tony racks up to that. Okay, fine. Go ahead and throw those stats out there if you want to. But here's where I stand. Talk to the best rushers in the game that went against Tony Baselli and see what they say about him. Bring those guys in the room and see what they say about him. And then if that's not enough, then go ahead and just look at the accolades that Tony Baselli has. He at one time was the best player at his position. Okay, the best. He's an all-decade guy. What more do you need? If you have the respect of your peers that went against him and they say he's one of the best guys to ever do it, check. And then if you go against the stats, the accolades, the analytics, and say, you know what, he's an all-decade team guy, 
then what are we doing here? I, I don't care. I'm like, oh, he only played so-and-so seasons, but this guy got No, to hell with all that. The guy at the time was one of the best to play his position. End of story. And, and I'm done. Okay? Enough said. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is, I think uh, somebody asked me this on social media. He said, well, who would you have put him in over? Like, who would... Well, I don't think Isaac Bruce or Edger and James necessarily have that title of as dominant in their era as Tony was. Mm-hmm. I mean, Peter King said it to us the other day. He's, he's covered the league for 40 years. And he is the best tackle he's ever seen was Anthony Munoz in 40 years. The next best is Tony Baselli. And Munoz says similar things. A guy that knows the craft. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think Emmett Smith saying Edwin James is the second best guy that's ever played. Yeah, you so, know what I mean. I'm just so, like, what, what? What do we? Like, what do we have to do here, Brent? Like, do we have to get the, all the Hall of Fame guys? <laughs> no, I'm being serious here. Do we have to get all the Hall of Fame guys to bring in their gold jackets, just, just like in Rudy, and put their gold jackets on the table and be like, Tony Baselli can have my spot. Tony Baselli can have my spot. Is that what we have to do now? Because I, I'm not even lying, dude. Like, it's to me, it's ridiculous because you can't justify not having him in the Hall when all his peers say that he should be in, who are all, all Hall of Famers, who are all some of the best to ever do it, and then also being an All-Decade guy and being the best at his position you can't justify it to me i'm sorry i don't know but i did even ask i seriously asked this question i'll share this with you that i said is there anything more seriously we can do in jacksonville i asked a couple of the voters this so is there anything we're missing like we can do that would make his candidacy better are we not making a good enough case do we not keep it in the spotlight enough and the answer i got was no it's not going to make a difference you know it's not we, we have the resumes. We see yeah. the presentations. We've been in that room for four years. I, Peter King, I think, said uh, he was the longest discussion out of anybody. So it was it was that close. Yeah. Uh, here's what's – I think the Jags have done a much better job, a, a much better job the last two years versus the last – the previous two years and beyond of pushing Baselli, handing out things, mm-hmm. pushing it on social media, keeping them top of mind this week. I think they've done a better job. Tony himself has done a good job because he's around the league. He does the national broadcast for Westwood One. So he was at the Super Bowl last night. He's at these events. He's there at the Pro Bowl. He's there on Thursday. His name's still relevant. And I do think Terrell Davis, we thought, might open the floodgate for a guy like Tony, and you could take away the longevity part. That hasn't happened yet. But next year's interesting. And while at first glance you say, oh, man, no way he's getting in next year. No way. Peyton Manning. Yeah. Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Jared Allen. I'm missing one. There's another one. There's a slam dunk one, and I'm missing. But either way. Right. So there's four spots that are basically tied up, and they're locked in. And, oh, uh, Charles Woodson. Oh, yeah. So, Obviously. Yeah, so for sure. There are four spots that might be locked in. Jared Allen, people might debate, mm-hmm. but we looked at them today. 136 Plus, sacks, yeah. man. I mean, five time all pro yeah. i mean for a, for a committee that obviously likes numbers mm-hmm. those numbers are going to pop mm-hmm. i think jared allen might, is going to get in so terrell dave so at first glance you're like this might be one spot open the good news I, I thought about this i was like well maybe it actually is good news he's knocking on the door and you've eliminated another offensive lineman so Mawai last year goes mm-hmm. hutchinson this year goes so with all that glitz and glamour of the class of next year, Calvin Johnson, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, the numbers, Jared Allen, well, not a bad time to sneak in that fifth one, and it could become, it could come down to Baselli or Fanica, and now you're not having guys steal as many votes because those other offensive linemen that are, are deserving have already been pushed in, right or wrong, ahead of Baselli, but they've already been pushed in. So I don't know how I feel about next year. 
We got a year to figure that out. Sure. But at, at first glance on Saturday, I was like, no way he's getting in next year. I mean, if he hasn't been able to get in this year or the last couple of years, no way. But now I'm starting to think twice about it after talking to some of these guys. The split vote and lack thereof really could help Baselli next year, believe it or not, in a crowded room to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We'll have to keep an eye on it and see if it works. Uh, listen, I, I know it sounds a little bit like whining at times. Um, I think Baselli has handled this really well, uh, we've been around him. I think he was really, it, it, he has a struggle at first, the first couple of years. Okay. And I think he's done a good job with this and he handles it better than everybody else. I think just everybody wants to see it happen. And, well, and they know and when you, you know it should happen. And there are a lot of guys that don't get in that should happen. I said, Leroy Butler probably should get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So if you're up in Green Bay, if you're Leroy Butler's family and you weren't even a finalist, I think you have a right to be like, what? why? Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. It's a numbers game. I understand that. Uh, but, uh, I'm tired of waiting. <laughs> no, I, 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 just, I hear you, man. And, yeah, well, listen, I mean, once again, I I like, and I'm not, I'm not, well, not going to call anybody out, man, because, like, I, I feel like everybody that gets in the Hall of Fame, they deserve it, yeah. man. Like, who, who, who am I? Dude, I, it's I, not fair I played to five years in the league. Yeah. There's no way I'm going to say, that guy should be in over that. No, dude, if you make it to the Hall of Fame, prop signing, you deserve it. I'm never going to call anybody out for making over somebody else. That, that's just not how I operate, and that's not how I run. But I think from the standpoint of, you know, you, you can turn to the to longevity thing if you want, but I think what they need to keep on pre pushing and pushing, you kind of saw that with Jaguar social media, is the fact that what his peers are saying yeah, about yeah. him. And then that's the most important thing. Now, let's be honest. And now a lot of those peers are in the Hall of Fame, by exactly. the way. Jason Taylor, yeah. Bruce Smith, those kind, Anthony Munoz, those kind of Correct. guys. And let's be honest, though. Like, are, are these Hall of Fame you know, committee guys going to go on Twitter and be like, oh, well, this has got 200 <laughs> retweets. I better like give Tony Baselli some more consideration. No, absolutely no, not. But being like, in the subconscious the, is important, but, but get the conversation going. And I, I'm telling you, man, if, if worse comes to worse and the your speech isn't enough, then bring your peers in. Like I, I, I honestly, I would bring some respected Hall of Famers in to speak on Tony's behalf because he's earned that. There are a lot of folks that think the system is flawed, and it probably is. Most voting systems, to some degree, are flawed. Uh, but I actually think right now the group in there, as close as Tony is, I don't want to see any changes. I think it would be better beneficial to Tony to keep this Just in. Just keep it moving. And, and by the way. You know, we haven't talked about, and we will talk about, and Fred Taylor deserves being talked about. He's earned that. And his numbers will warrant that. And it will be another push from here in Jacksonville, I think, and probably take a little bit. But Edger and James just helped Fred Taylor get in the Hall of Fame someday. That was a that was a good thing for Fred Taylor. Might have been a bad thing for Tony Baselli for this year, mm-hmm. but it might have been a good thing down the road for Fred Taylor because if you start looking at the numbers and the comps, his comps are going to be very comparable to many Hall of Fame running backs in Canton, Ohio. All right, when we come back, a different award. And I'm gonna you know about the award. You know about Calais Campbell. We don't need to spend fifteen minutes talking about how great Calais Campbell is. You already know it. But I do have two significant questions for you. One, if he ended his career today, would you put him in the pride of the Jaguars? After Ooh, just three years. Good one. And two What's worse from a public relations standpoint for the Jaguars in 2020? Losing Yannick Ngakwe and not getting a deal done? Or losing the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, the MVP of the Pro Bowl, Calais Campbell? Hmm. It's next on ESPN 690. Your call's always welcome. Star Star 690 
mean, I joked about it. I'm going to have a double cheeseburger tonight with with extra cheese. Um, I'm going to enjoy it with my family and the team. That's what I'm going to do. You know, that's uh, that's exciting. How big was that cheeseburger for Andy Reid? Oh, man. I mean, at least two pounds, right? Is that what we're talking here? <laughs> Two pounds. Two pounder. Angus. Is that an 80-20? Certified Angus. Oh, yeah, 80-20 for sure, dude. Dude, maybe even a 70-30 if that even exists, man. I don't know. What's good? What's what's like, is 80-20 like oh, what you're supposed you, to have? Yeah, like, what's 80-20, man. I mean, like, let's be honest. You can go like the, the 85-15 or whatever, but what? let's be honest. Like, you, they, have 90, be, they have 95% yeah. lean now, you know. Well, like, do they really? Oh, sure they do, yeah. But it's a burger. Is that like, called I vegan? get trying to be no. healthy. <laughs> I don't know, right? Is that called impossible uh, burger? No, I think it's a buffalo meat burger. But I anyway. mean, if you're going to eat a burger, go all out. They're like, don't right. try to make yourself feel better and say, I'm well, at least I'm going to eat a lean. No, man, it's a cheeseburger. It ain't going to be healthy for you, no. so go above and beyond it, all right? Don't try to, you know, ride the fence with this thing. Andy Reid with the other quote of uh Which the one, day. man? He had a lot of them. Today right? was, uh, I, I, I didn't spend time with the trophy. I spent time with my trophy wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Last night. Yeah. Points. That was good. That points. Was some points for sure. That was points. good. Very good. Very Marco Austin Lane. Super Bowl 54 in the books, and Kansas City Chiefs are the champs. John Bachman joins us now from CBS 47 and Fox Look, look at you here in the screen, too, man. Looking good. Wow. Oh, I, yeah, got cool. I got a camera now. Yep. Kuz is taking care of me. Yep. Uh, did you have fun watching the game? I know you worked, so you had a say, Super Bowl I watched, party I watched the first half at home with the family and yep. then made my way during uh, Shakira and J-Lo over to the station. You mean you missed that part? I missed most of it. I well, did. I have it on my DVR at home if you want to come over and watch it. I don't. I, I am not surprised at all by that. It was um, a long game. Couldn't get everything, but we got the halftime show. There's only so much recording you can do, obviously. Yeah, yeah, you can only yeah. fit so much yeah, on there. Those, those, those first two Dude, quarters, the rewind man, and pause good. button uh, worn out. No, no dude, it's all good. Man, still motion all day. What all right. is the overall reaction to the halftime? I think everyone is happy with it. There's never out. Everybody's happy. Total outrage. You know, century here. There are a lot of people upset about it. I mean, there was polls involved. There was crotch shots involved. A lot of shaking. There was probably a lot of moms not too happy. I said today, in fact, this should be a news story. There are probably Latino nightclubs popping up all over the place. Here yeah. in the United States yeah. today, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. After that performance, well, and the ones that are already here are probably going to be packed. <laughs> so yes. here's where I'm saying because a lot of people were saying it was the best halftime show ever, and like I get, you know, you're they putting say that every year, well, by the way. Yeah, well, it's last year, last year, not last year. And listen, I, I think it was a very diverse performance, which is really cool, right? Like you're giving Puerto Rico some love, props to them for doing that and everything. So like, that was cool. Well, it fits the culture of Miami. Oh, of right. course. But let's not call it the best performance of all time because there's Beyonce and then of course my Prince. personal favorite thank you very much Prince John right on rain. time dude Stockington oh. Malone Prince in the rain singing Purple yeah. Rain uh, yeah. hey goosebumps yes. right here, goosebumps. that's what most people say most yeah. people yeah. say Prince. Prince is the best and then a lot of people do say Bruno Mars now Bruno yeah. Mars is fantastic but John will I, I won't. Oh, so I don't grade I don't, him. I, I don't I mean, like Bruno Mars. I, I just get caught. The whole yeah. show is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And to me, my, I mean, I'm going to have to check out your DVR to actually see all the cool shots. My only thing is, let's take it to the wall. Let's take it all, buddy. Let's go. Let's take it to 2006. Let's go, man. Let's take it to the and yeah. jail to the wall that says it all. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's on tomorrow's show. <laughs> I know um, Austin's not going to like this, but how are you not going to actually have Pitbull involved in any way? I mean, he's Mr. 305. You well, know what I actually, mean? I, I, Who are the I, people I, involved? I had a J-Bell bet on that. I was uh, kind of stuck on Shakira and J-Lo. I know. 
Was there, was there anybody guys else? That looked, looked exactly the same. They're, they're, like, like the they're 90s. really famous, though. Like they're, they're big sure name they producers, they? and they make their own music. Yeah, they're really they're really popular. Okay. But well, how do you have, have, have Pitbull? Yeah, because I don't know. it was predictable, maybe. You know, they like to keep, uh, keep us guessing. Apparently, the demo of forty-year-old men in, in minivans yep, doesn't exactly. exist well, for hey, Super Bowl night. Hey, and actually, this is my prop bets I made with one of my friends. Will Pitbull make an appearance? And I said no because he opened for the Super Bowl halftime. He, I mean, he opened for like the like the Super Bowl show. Oh, uh, well, okay. prior, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know, yeah, 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 yeah. So there, yeah. yeah, there you go. All right. So um, yeah, but anyway, the, the ratings bonanza for the well, Super top Bowl. ten of Super Bowls, right? Is that what it was? I think I, I heard heard that somewhere. Yeah, uh, top ten overall. I, I saw did really well here. Seventy share. Yeah, here, which is yep. just incredible numbers. Our bosses like were happy. Forty-seven rating. Yeah, and glad you came in for the news because the news did well even did. even late. Yeah, exactly. Um, which means they saw us down the Super Bowl, which we That's appreciate right. that too. Yep. People stayed up late. Thank you. How oh, they had this? the TVs on anyway. How about this? <laughs> My buddy Alex Brooks over at the Jag sent me this. Uh, this is a tweet from, and I don't know how to say his name, Michael Mulvahill. Um on Twitter, relatively mild weather in Kansas City may have sent some fans out of home and kept KC from setting a local ratings record for the Super Bowl. The shares are unbelievable. Peak share of 97. Wow. In Kansas City. Wow. So obviously hundreds of score. Yes. And they had a peak share. That means out of 100 TVs turned on in Kansas City, 97 yes. of them. The other three were playing golf, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> or... Or, or maybe they went six thirty at night. They or were they doing used something. Their smart yeah. TV to look up for Shakira. <laughs> Those and folks J-Lo. were just at a house where they had the TV on. Is really what happened, yeah. right? Uh, oh, jeez. I mean, wow. it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's so incredible. And the numbers would be like that around here. I'm not sure yeah. 97, but 70 for a Super Bowl. That's not even. You know, we were getting 70 shares for the AFC Championship game. Yeah. 75, I think, is what it peaked at in Jacksonville. So there's that thirst for it when mm-hmm. it when it happens, and it will be like that in this area uh, when. The Jaguars uh, make the Super Bowl someday. Uh, how about the commercials, guys? I I didn't really. Oh, uh, let's see. Well, there were so a couple it, that I'm trying to remember now. Here's my issue. They're yeah. all like cross promotion. They were. They're like, a bunch there was of like tides pe- with burritos and then tide. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. It's expensive. Yeah, you I know. Split the bill. Yeah. That's right. Um, it was like five and a half million for thirty seconds. Is that what I heard? I think that's what yeah. it was. Something crazy. Um, there was like the Lil Nas X one, which was the yeah, cowboy that was one. That yeah. was alright. That was with cute. The, yeah, that's a good way to cute. put it. With uh, with uh, the the ultimate cowboy. That was what made yeah. that. Um, yeah. I'm drawing a blank on that guy's name now. The um, voice from I mean heaven. Oh, what's that guy's name? Somebody help me out. Earl Jones, James Earl Jones. No, no, no not the other great voice. The, the, I'll, the, I'll find he's in second. Tombstone. He's. Uh, I know, man. I'm so embarrassed oh gosh, right now. So don't you put me on the spot. I know. He I, does I, the I Chevy like commercials. Yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, hang on. Who's in Austin? Somebody. This is where you guys anyway, usually right, me Whatever. Out. So that guy was great. I'll find him in a second. Sorry for the uh, delay. Keep going. Though. Anyway, um, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't think there was any like, like, epic. Sam Elliott. Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliott. Thank, thank you very you. much, everybody. Thank Sam Elliott. You. But I don't think there's anything um, that stood out in my mind. I can't remember. I mean, that was a good one, and I remember it now that you mention it. Yeah. But I don't. There's nothing like, you know. There's there not was, the, uh, no, the wasabi. There wasn't like. I mean, yeah. It was never. Baby there wasn't nut. anything super. Was the baby the not what? good? The baby, baby nut from the, the oh, peanuts. Baby oh, nut. I didn't like that at all. I'll tell you what, though, Brett. Nobody like listen. Twitter hates commercials. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because yeah. I follow along on Twitter like, oh, these commercials suck. Another yeah. bad commercial. Yeah. Now, Twitter hates just about everything. Yes. Yeah. That's a general population. That's fact. But they seem to really hate commercials these days. Like, commercials just don't – it doesn't work. I, I will say this. I'm a little surprised that they – 
Now, that's a lot of eyeballs, right? Yeah. But five and a half million dollars. I mean, are you really turning people over? If you really, if you hit a home run, I guess, like the Brady one won the day, right? Yeah, that yeah, was didn't the Brady because he got a whole week out of that. Well, that's yeah. right, but he was smart. That's a yes. beautiful job Cryptic, of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fantastic yeah, tweet. By the way, we should be all ashamed of ourselves for not thinking that might have been a part of a commercial. Well, somebody but mentioned Tom it. Brady, how much money are you making? Yeah. How much more money do you need? He pro- how how, how well, many pools do you need at your house, sir? Well, but I mean, he's been, he's been giving him a discount for 10 years now, whatever it's I been. Get, so he's got to make up to the difference. You're, you're married to Giselle, By the way, I forgot. I, this is a no-brainer. I The best commercial of the whole game was the Action News Jacks commercial. Yeah, what a plot twist. So literally, <laughs> we're watching the Super Bowl. We're talking about prime time. It was like after halftime, right? Right before yeah. halftime. Right, before or right after the game and halftime. But yeah. So, leading Dude, up, so they were the opening oh, act. You, you want to talk about a plot twist here. Number one, wasn't expecting an action news Jacks commercial. <laughs> Number two, here's John Bachman for all my friends at the party. And all of a sudden, this. You know, do you want to talk, talk about the commercial? Well, it was a fantastic commercial. It's fantastic. You see this little kid and mom, and, yeah. and um, she's slipping away no. from mom. Mom gets a phone call. There's a guy all black, we're, and he's looking we're real black, sinister. Not, yep. And we called him the creepy hero in the spot because yeah. he's creepy at first and he's going after the girl. It looks like a, a girl's And you're like, oh, them. he's about to snatch this girl. Yeah. And I'm like, John, what, what are we watching here, dude? Right? Like, everyone's just like, oh, this is kind of unsettling. Is a girl getting kidnapped? Yeah. Right? I was literally like, John, you're my boy, dude. What are you doing here right now? Right. party. Yes. Right. But then, then you see the story from another angle. Mm. Boom. And the creepy guy is actually the hero saving the girl from darting out into the street and getting run over by a dude, car. I stood up Very and clapped. Good. Like, Shawshank Redemption in that commercial, two times I stood up and actually clapped. <laughs> When it was done, dude. It, it, it was fantastic. So Outstanding. That, so that shows you that Action News Jax is covering all angles. They that's are, exactly, man. They're working yeah, around that's the exactly. story. Yeah. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's what we're awesome. trying to say. Is that's that exactly what, that what we're trying to say. Point that's that's right. right. A promo. Yeah. That was a bigger plot twist than actually the Super Bowl. In the- <laughs> 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 it was, man. Because I was job. like, what is this? I'm like, oh, okay, John. I see what you're doing I mean, I missed an opportunity right there for shameless self-promotion. And I totally wish. Now I have to go look at it because I haven't seen it. And I wasn't in it, and I'm a little bit... It's okay, you're upset. So, I got it now. Real quickly, this the only thing I did was show up and do what they told me to do. Of course, right? Yeah. So, quick shout out to our promo department because they they actually there was a another market, Denver market actually did something very similar that was a fantastic spot, and so our promo folks saw that and said we can make this our own. So they tweaked it a little bit. Basically the same idea hmm. and made this thing and it's it, someone's it getting really a call good. from some lawyers it sounds like yeah, nah, we're friends yeah. Yeah. okay so, cool 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 listen every good idea is stolen man. yeah I know um, the uh, <laughs> look at look welcome it, to uh, this show hey <laughs> I was just kidding you we're not on trial right now I believe you the enemy stole a 1948 USC play you don't gotta you don't gotta gay I was just cracking a joke here and you're coming at me like uh, I don't know so we gotta defend the business I guess CBS 47 Fox 30 tonight five o'clock in a couple minutes John. So you oh, gotta yeah. go. I guess I am. Um, you've done a lot of those commercials. Was it one of the best spots for Super Bowl that you've been involved in? Oh yeah, it was great. It I mean, was it was awesome. really, really okay. well done. I mean, the time it took for these guys to put it together. I mean, shooting it took a long time for that little bit that I was in. It took a long time to get 
just everything right so they could edit it and make it look. It's you when you see it, it really is. I mean, they spent a lot of time. So hats off to the many folks and promos who who did that. I it was mean, really good. I was really like, John, what, what are we doing here? And all yeah. of a sudden, John, I see you, dude. There it yeah, is. Yeah, I was like, yep. okay. So the if you're twist. now you're, the people listening right now are going, well, dang, I want to see this thing. Yeah. You can, if for no other reason, I'm curious. I did tweet it out, so you there can you see go. it on on Twitter. I, don't know if I put it on Instagram or not, but it's definitely and it's on my Facebook page, so you'll find it Love if you it. want to look for it. Um, real quickly, coming up on uh, Action News Jackson Five, both on CBS Forty Seven, Fox Thirty. A couple big things. First of all, we've got a story about some dog food that's giving dogs serious problems. Veterinarians are concerned about it. Don't ask me a lot of the details, but it is in our report. You'll get all the information you need to protect your dog coming up at five. Of course, we're talking about Calais Campbell winning the Walter Payton Award. I mean, there is Huge no honor. one greater for the community for community than than this guy. I, mean, I like that a, you're doing that story. A little follow up today. Yeah, That's he's good. A, you know, a bigger than his than his smiles, his heart. Right. I mean, that guy is fantastic. I think he's wonderful for for the Jags and for us. And then tonight is the Iowa Caucus. Now I could have talked for hours on the Iowa Caucus. The big the Dems are going to be trying to whittle away at some of these candidates. They got a hundred of them, it seems. And uh, you know, I grew up in Iowa. I went back and covered the Iowa caucuses in 2012 when I worked for our sister station in Atlanta, which was a real thrill. That was back when Newt Gingrich was running, okay. along mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of other people. Romney ended up getting the nod, and um, just had a, a lot of great stories coming out of my experiences there. So It's like a sporting event, isn't it? There? It really is a huge deal for Iowans. Every yeah. four years, the nation focuses their attention on Iowa, yeah. which rarely happens, yeah. of course. They're prideful well, in that. Yeah. Yeah. The only time you heard the word caucus comes out of Iowa. I mean, I, I, Iowa, I yeah. feel like yeah. Yeah. Iowa. No, that's right. It's, yeah. it's the only yeah, one. Usually, and it uh, is, other than that, it's always carcass. Yeah, exactly. Ouch. Of caucus. Ouch. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, roadkill. It's all good. I see where you're going out there, Brent. You're good. Um, so yeah. A- anyway, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna of course cover the caucuses a little bit. I mean, you know, people in Florida maybe not care too much about it, but those of you who do, after the newscast at 7:30 tonight, I'm gonna do a Facebook live, and we're gonna look at uh, you know some of those stories I did back in 2012. Oh, cool. nice. I'll take a lot of questions. Young John Bachman. Yes. I like that. Yes, my forehead was a little smaller back then. <laughs> um, the retreat was only uh, just beginning. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. No, it was it was a fun, fun three days that I was there. It was eight years ago today. And if you have questions on how the caucuses work, we're going to do that at 730. And then at 8 o'clock, our time is when the caucuses actually start in Iowa. And so we'll start getting some results, I think, by our 10 o'clock newscast on Fox 30. All right. Cool. you got to get going soon. That's yes. CBS 47, Fox 30 coming up at 5 o'clock. So make sure you stay tuned to that, including a story on Calais Campbell winning the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. We're going to talk more about Calais in just one second. We also want to uh, tell everybody yeah. that you've, uh, yeah. you're on the board, I think, right? For I am. First Tia North Florida. Absolutely. And we've done some work with our Dream 18 and in the past and love all the folks at the First Tee of North Florida. Uh, but we're going to give away some golf cards. Absolutely. These uh, are great. If you haven't heard of them, they're the tour cards. They uh, give you discounted rates, really good deals at some golf courses, a lot of different golf courses in our area. And the proceeds to buying these cards, uh, I'm drawing a blank on how much they are now. I'll nine, go find usually out. $99. $99? Okay. I think they're $99. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. get that information for you. But they, uh, although 100% of the proceeds go to First Tee North Florida, which is a fantastic organization. If awesome. you haven't heard of it, you can look it up on their yep. website. Uh, but they do great work, and they're in local schools in Duval. They're doing stuff all over the place for our youth today. All right. So, okay. uh, and we're going to give away in the next couple of weeks, we're going to give away some of these. Yeah. I think Wednesday will be our first one. Okay. Um, yeah. So you got some we're stuff gonna be going at, on. We're going to be at the Players' Championship, on, well, the play, TPC Sawgrass from the show, uh, and so we'll give away awesome. one. Awesome. Uh, and then cool. we'll do a couple more as the uh, next couple of weeks go And they along. are available. You can go buy them if you don't win one. You, you can. can buy them. Where do you, uh, 
firsttea.org, firsttea.norflorida.org. Uh, yes. You can. It's, I think it's firsttea.norflorida.org. If you you can also go to the PGA Tour Superstore. That, they are selling them in the store there. And they sell sure. them there as well. That's the only place that they sell them in person. The rest of the places is at, their, at, is at the First Tea North Florida website. You Google First Tea of North Florida, you'll find their website, and you can buy it there. All right. Uh, awesome. Thanks, man. All right, guys. Have thank a good you show so much. Tonight, CBS 47, Fox 30, and then check out the Facebook uh, with John on ActionNewsJacks.com immediately following the show tonight. All right. Mentioned Calais Campbell. Mm-hmm. Walt Freight Man of the Year. Oh, that is awesome. It's, like, it's a know, huge honor. Do you know, like, it's a bigger, it's a, I think the NFL considers it a bigger award than the MVP. Really? I mean. They save it to the last one sure. of that show. Yeah. They say it's the most prestigious award there is. Okay. And I understand sports fans would be like, oh, yeah, the NFL MVP. I get it. It's a, it's a big award. But this is a huge award. That's how much Walter Payton, first of all, is revered uh, in Chicago and around the league. That's how much his family is still prevalent mm-hmm. and uh, passing along Walter Payton's legacy. And if you look at the nominees and the award winners over the years, some fantastic names. And, and we know really uh, some some good people in the community across NFL cities. And we know all about Calais Campbell. So I, I tell you, I had the disappointment of Baselli, And then I was overjoyed for yeah. uh, Calais because I, I genuinely believe, you know, they want they love. I think players like accolades. I think they put a lot of work in. And when you get community accolades, there's a lot of work being done, and that's not why you do it. But for it to be recognized in the story, I think, of Calais Campbell to be shared, from being homeless at times to his dad's legacy and what he's created in his dad's name with the CRC Foundation and what he's done on the field. I say this all the time about Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell is such a good person, a good man, probably number one on my list of of people I've covered, players, athletes I've covered in 20 years of doing this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like to think we have a little bit of a special relationship because of our show, so I'm probably a bit biased there. But you forget how great of a player he is because he's such a good guy. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do. When you're that good of a player, if you look at his resume, which might soon warrant Hall of Fame consideration with another good couple of years, it's almost the subplot of who he is because he's such a good dude. Yeah. I mean, that's tough to do. It's it's very tough to do, and, and it's very telling of the character that Calais Campbell possesses. Because it seems like in the NFL and covering the NFL or really covering any kind of professional sport is, you know, people tend to gravitate more towards the bad stories. You know, all that clickbait and everything where sometimes you need to be reminded that there is good out there. You know, the, the, there is the J.J. Watts out there that are raising a lot of money for hurricanes back in 2017. There are the good guys like Chris Long who donated every single paycheck um, that he received to the inner cities of Philadelphia to, to, to help schools, to, to help parks be built. Um, that was last year. And there are good guys like Clayus Campbell this year getting nominated. Um yeah, to, to me, I mean, obviously this award's an important thing, Brent, because it keeps the conversation going about the good that's happening from the NFL. So I do agree with you where it's almost bigger than the MVP award just because it kind of reminds you of there is more than football, right? The power of the NFL, There is right? more than what we see on the field. Yeah. There is the stuff in the communities outside of football. So from that standpoint, yes, I do agree with you. I think it is a bigger award. And couldn't have happened to a better guy um, like Calais Campbell. And let's be fair here, Brent. Okay, it's one thing to be a Pro Bowl player in the NFL. Okay, that takes time, work, dedication to your craft. Um, 
people can say, yeah, I'll, I'll play in the NFL. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Then try spending, you know, 16 hours a day, you know, watching film, getting your body right, getting massages. Um, that, that sounds nice. Let's be honest. <laughs> that sitting, that sound sitting nice. in cold tubs, and, and we're back, and now we're foam rolling. We're sitting in cold tubs. We're getting acupuncture. We're, we're, we're getting acupuncture. Damn you, 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 yeah, your IT bands are on fire. Okay, so there's a lot of things that go into it, and being a legit NFL player. That's time enough as it is. But then to go above and beyond and do work in the communities, not being asked to, but actually want to, to start programs, um, to always take time for the fans to sign autographs, take pictures, all that stuff, that speaks volume of Clayus Campbell, and it speaks volume of anybody that can actually accomplish that because it is not an easy task. All right, I've got a quote. We didn't get to it right here. We're going to take a break. I promise we'll do the two questions. Jan or Calais, which is worse, losing? In 2020, from a perception standpoint, public perception standpoint, listen, Jan's 10 years younger. Mm-hmm. I get it if you were starting a team or if you're building your team. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in 2020. If you announce one of those guys that ain't happening and they're not here, which is worse in what has already been a pretty tough PR six months for the Jags? And has he already earned a spot in the pride of the Jaguars? Can you do that in just three years? Calais Campbell? Talk about it next, ESPN 690. Uh, I think third point was when we got a turnover and then we didn't execute on offense and they got the ball right back and drove it 87 yards or however far it was. As an offense, we have to end the game right there and we didn't. That's George Kittle, San Francisco 49ers. Matter of fact, he was pretty quiet. Had the big moment in the game with the offensive pass interference, which, again, I thought that was such a good throw by Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't need to do it. You know, it didn't. It seemed like he had the separation enough. The ball was so perfectly placed. And it got called. It, I'm not denying that it is so, it's a play that doesn't get called sometimes, too. But I'm also not here to say that it was a bad call. Uh, I, I think whatever way they called it, I think you would have accepted. And very tough to do that if you are rooting for one of the teams or, like I always say, have money on one of the teams. Mm-hmm. But um, if you're a neutral observer, that could go either way. But I think it was the right call. And uh, sometimes that's the way it happens. 50-50 plays usually go to the winners yeah. <laughs> or more of them. And this that was at least three points, uh, what it looked like. And the Chiefs uh, end up winning the football game. Kind of going away, but it obviously will always be remembered as much closer than the score indicated at 31 to 20. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos. We're all back in studio, at least for a little bit. We'll, we'll, hit, the the road. we'll hit the road next week quite a bit, actually. Uh, it'll be at the TPC Sawgrass on uh, Wednesday. There's a little media day out there that will run right into our show. So I'll at least be out there. I'm not sure where Austin's going to be. I mean, I can come out there and take pictures, you know, with you and the fans and everything like that, because that's what happens when you go to TPC. It does. The crowd's more kind of a celebrity. celebrity. Okay, well, but, you know, especially even the workers, me. even the groundskeepers. But I'll there. have my Sharpie ready. Okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. That's good. And, and I'll have my camera ready. Very good. We can yeah. give out koozies now, too. Nice. I'm going to have to bring some koozies, too. Now we're that's talking. a good place to bring out koozies, Heck right? Yeah, man. Heck Are we yeah. allowed? I'm going to have to check with the Players' Championship. Are we allowed to bring out promotional material? <laughs> For us, yeah. We're new at this. We are. I say we do it, man. Let's let's push it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? All right, I like it. Yeah, let's push the brand. Let's do it. Uh, all right, hey, before I've really been trying to get this part of it on Calais Campbell, I, I thought about this a lot. See, we've been you gotta be a little careful with Calais Campbell, and I feel bad when we say it to him. Even he's under contract, hmm. but he's going to cost a lot of money. And at the end of the year, I think it was pretty crystal clear. 
that the Jags were going to have to make some economic decisions. A.J. Boye, Marcel Darius, Calais is on that list. It's a lot of money. And so are you still going to get that productivity as he gets a little older? Uh, where are you going to slice the, some of these contracts? Could you rework? There's no doubt. Everybody in Jags headquarters, mm-hmm. top down, everybody in the city wants Calais Campbell back in 2020. But can they afford to keep him back? Does it benefit the team if he's making 15, 16, 17 million dollars? That's the question. And at the end of the year, when I sat down with him, I asked some of those questions and he said he still feels like he's worth 15 million dollars. And now the question is, will his role change at all? Will he play his same amount of plays? Will they ask him to cut back a little bit? And if they do that, could they ask him to cut back some of the dollars? They clearly could. But they'd have to make the first move and say, hey, we want to restructure. We really want to keep you. Are you willing to do it? Or they just have to release him and then he could see what's out there in free agency. What's interesting to me is since we had that conversation a few weeks back right after the season, there have been notable things that have happened. I don't know how much you want to put into pro football focus, but pro football focus named them the best run defender in the NFL this year. They sure. rated him. Yeah. Even though Calais admits that he, he missed more tackles than he's ever missed in his career, but they rated him the top run defender. Yeah. If I'm his agent, I'm playing that up. Oh, you have to. Right. How could you not? Uh, if I'm Calais, I'm playing that up. And then he goes to the Pro Bowl for the third straight year in a Jags uniform. He's earned every bit of the money he's made already. And he wins the defensive MVP mm-hmm. for the AFC team. What does that mean in the big picture? Probably not much, but you get my point. It's building. And then maybe the most impressive thing and the hardest thing to do to part ways or ask for restructure or do anything to upset number 93 being in Jacksonville, he wins the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which signifies what he's meant to this organization, to this city, to the NFL in, in a way that few awards do. Should be, so, should be throwing a parade for him right now. <laughs> I mean, it almost feels that way, right? Yeah. But uh, can they afford to let go that guy that in three years has been unbelievable, instrumental in the locker room, all pro, three-time pro bowler, Walter Payton Man of the Year award winner, Bart Starr award winner, still has game left. Yeah. Can they afford to do that? From a public perception standpoint, forget about the on-field. Yeah. What will this place do if Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone say, hey, you know what, we just don't think he's worth that much anymore, and he's now going to go play for Denver or Baltimore or Indianapolis or wherever. What's worse, losing Calais yeah. or losing Yannick Ngakwe, which right now I still think the franchise tag is very much in play, but it certainly doesn't look like they're close to getting a deal done, and it looks like Yannick Ngakwe wants to go. What is worse from the fan perspective, from the people outside that building here in Jacksonville, losing Calais or losing Yann? This is such a genius question, and I, I've still I've been going back and forth on it. Let me go ahead and try to break it down like this, okay? Let's say you're in college. And you meet your college sweetheart. Sounds familiar, right? And you meet your college sweetheart, and you guys get married, and you have a family, and everything's great. That's Yannick Ngakwe. Hi, Steph. 
that's Yannick Ngakwe, right? You you put the time in, you got to know each other and everything. Um, you said, you know what? Something special about this girl. I'm gonna spend my time with her. When other guys are going to parties, you're probably staying behind and you guys didn't have Netflix back then, so you're probably watching VHS tapes. Very true, actually. Yeah. So you're watching VHS tapes. I don't know what was big back then. What Lion was, King. Jerry Maguire. Okay, I don't know what, what Tommy was, Boy. Tommy Boy. <laughs> what okay. Um with to each their own. That's a good date movie, I guess. Aladdin. Yeah. So you guys are saying in first movie we ever saw was seven actually. So, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> what, what an icebreaker. That was an what's icebreaker. in the box? Huh? Seriously, that was the first movie Jeez, we ever saw. Jeez, man. Well, that's, that's what you know. you got to keep her. She's going to stay with you after watching seven. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for bringing that up. Exactly. It just kind of clicked so, in. So, so that's Yannick Ngakwe, right? You spend time with it. You develop it. You kind of scout. I don't say you scouted it out, but you know you scouted it, and you decide, you know what? That's our guy. We Or that's my girl. <laughs> but that's we can work with that, right? There's yep. something special there. Calais Campbell would be like like the Russian mail order bride that you order, and it's like, you know what, I hope this works out, but I'm not positive. I'm going to spend a lot of money, and hopefully they come overseas and they it pans out to be well. And guess what? Couldn't be more better, right? Like, she's she's a total knockout, obviously. Um, she does everything around the house for you, and everything, she's, she goes above and beyond for you. <laughs> so my question to you, Brent, is which one would be more keen to keeping? The mail order bride or this person that you met in college that you were kind of keen to and spent more time with? Well, if you put, oh, okay. hey, putting, <laughs> putting Brent on the spot. To this can to, go very to, wrong to, for yeah. you. Look at how I'm trying to shape what I want him to say. <laughs> yes, this this to is say. all I'm doing right now. Well, first of all, you're doing two things to me. Yeah. You're making me pick. Like, I have to say the, the way that it worked out with Steph. And now Yannick for 20 Ngakwe. years. Yannick Ngakwe. Yep. And now you're making me yep. pick so, but, God over Calais. So, well, hey, I'm just saying. I mean, I'm in a no-win situation you, here. You're, you're in a no-win situation. But here, and here's my point, though. It's from a fan's perspective, from a culture perspective, from anyone's perspective, Jan was drafted, okay? And, and, and that carries some weight. Because I've, bro- I've broken this down before. If you can't keep your draft picks on your roster, you're not going to be successful. I don't care what team you are. I don't care what kind of free agents you bring in. Now, obviously, in a perfect world, and I had nothing but love for Clayus Campbell, and, and I think he deserves the money that he's about to get. I don't think he should he should ask for a uh, you know a pay cut because needless to say, the stats, the analytics, the awards. They say he shouldn't have to ask for that. So whether he wants to have a hometown discount or not, we'll see. I doubt he would because why would you want to? I wouldn't if I was him. But I'm just saying from the perspective of do you keep the younger guy that you brought in, that you cultivated, or do you keep the guy that you just kind of brought over, not really on a whim, but you took a chance on him, you paid him the money, it worked out. I'm taking the young guy that you spent time with, man. I'm I'm taking that college sweetheart 10 times out of 10. That's interesting. Uh, I don't know if I love the analogy, and I'm sure Calais would not be. <laughs> Tell uh, me I'm wrong, though. I don't, I don't know Tell if Calais wrong, would. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong, compared though. to a male or a bride. Tell me, hey, what else on ESPN 690 can you get that kind of information? Yeah, not really. I'm trying to compute it all right yeah. now, actually. But, but you get what I'm trying to say, though, right? No, I do. I, yeah. I think it's a good point. I think it's a fair point. Uh, you know, it's, it's now or later. Yeah. And, uh, again... I don't ask this from building a team. I think Calais would say the same. If I asked him to this, like building this franchise for the next 10 years, well, obviously Yannick Ngakwe mm-hmm. could hurt you more losing Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, he's got so many more years left. But this place is in love with Calais Campbell. As it should and, be. And by the way, they love Jan, too. Mm-hmm. Like the fans, I mean, it, we get so many requests for Jan. Come to the show, come to the show, come in here, come in there. I mean, we get a ton. So they love Jan. It's, it's not a knock on Jan. It's more just praise for Calais. 
I mean, it would almost it, it feels a little bit where this has already, again, been a tough six or eight months here in Jacksonville, football wise and stuff, uh, losing Ramsey, you know, and and. I mean, I know that's kind of settled in a different way now, but that whole thing, mm-hmm. the whole Coughlin thing, they everything, you know, and it would almost like Calais right now feels like the soul of the team. Correct. He feels like the soul of the franchise. Well, and let's be honest, he I think he's more of a pillar right now than, than Yannick Ngakwe's. And that's not to knock Yannick Ngakwe's leadership, and but let's might be honest. be the soul of the team in the next five years. Sure. Like that torch... Like, could be past this year, Yeah, quite frankly. But, but, but let's, let's say it like this. If you're bringing a new coaching staff in this year, so let's say Doug Marone doesn't keep his job. Let's say Dave Caldwell's out. Who are you more confident with the new coaching staff coming in and saying, all right, we have to meet with somebody to try to get the lay of the land around the Jacksonville Jaguars? Who are you meeting with Absolutely. first? Well, listen, I think Shad Khan met with Calais Campbell and other players sure. to keep Doug Marone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, or, I mean, to make his decision. And keeping Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell. I think it was part of it. I don't think they made the decision. Mm-hmm. But I think he met with them and that committee of players if you will so yeah i think um again this is public perception based i, I do think losing calais right now because here's what's going to happen if if you lose yan the organization is going to come out whether it's true or not and say they offered yan a hundred million dollars even though they probably didn't mm-hmm. and they're going to say they offered him a hundred million dollars and he denied it and he couldn't make it work and so people immediately will be like, he turned down $100 million? Are you kidding me? He turned down $100 million? You know, they're going to play that game. Of course. And that game, already to a degree, they tried to play that game last year. And people were like, take the money. Take the right? Yeah. And uh, so public perception-wise, this is really where this question was based, I think losing Jan in the immediate would be less damaging than losing Calais. Mm. I really do. Interesting. Uh but we know long term, it could be a. I mean, if Jan could end up in the Hall of Fame, he's on a pace of crazy amount of sacks, mm-hmm. and he's 24. So, and and by the way, I think Jan has a chance to. I don't know if he's going to be Calais Campbell. I don't know if they make too many guys like Calais Campbell. No, they, I think he, have you seen his size? But yeah, of course they don't. But I mean, there's the fabric of Calais yeah. Campbell, you know, uh, of who he is. Yeah. And I, I think that's a hard thing to live up to for any player to be that guy. But I do think he has a real chance to kind of take this locker room, be the personality of the locker room, a leader of the locker room, Jan does. So I think he has every bit of a chance to kind of be in this community for a long time. And we haven't had too many players recently that have been able to stay for a long time, be productive at the same time, and maybe even win at the same time. That hasn't yeah. happened around here in a long time. So Jan has a chance here to really grow into kind of this this superhero in Jacksonville. I don't think he's there yet, but I think he has a chance to do that. But right now, it feels like Calais Campbell is a superhero in Jacksonville. Yeah, and you can, right, by the way, yeah. you can kill me if you want, if I'm overplaying that. Because, again, I'm, I'm told you, I'm a little biased. But I talk to a lot of folks out there. I mean, and and we see them all at Mellow Mushroom. We see mm. I see the interactions. I mean, he is literally a superhero to a lot of these, to a no. lot of kids Moms, dads, fans of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I, I, I 100% agree with you that he is a superhero um, in terms of the community and what he does for the city of Jacksonville. Hands down. I think anybody would come with you on that one. But don't sell Jaguars fans short about their knowledge of the football game because all you had to watch last night was the 49ers defensive line. And you had to watch them for three quarters. And you had to watch them how they handled Patrick Mahomes for three quarters. Mwah, chef's kiss. Fantastic. Uh, contained him, two interceptions, you know, literally just a couple plays away from winning the Super Bowl. Well, that defense stemmed on two legit defensive ends. 
and those guys were D Ford and Bosa. Okay, and I'm not knocking Clayus Campbell at all as far as his pass rush, um, you know, his his moves, his skill set because it's it's good, it's still there. Don't get me wrong, but I think from a position standpoint of would you rather keep a you know a, a really good Pro Bowl like three technique or would you rather keep a very promising um, possibly All Pro one day defensive end? I think a lot of fans, including myself, would say you keep the defensive end because you can do so much with that when you have both edges contained. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. They get the community stuff, and, and that's that's fantastic too, Brad. Like, don't get me wrong. Like That can't be stated enough, Like h- how good of the charity work that Clayus Campbell does, and I understand that. But people also want to win games. Let's be yeah. honest, man. This is a national football league. Absolutely. Yeah, and, two and, different and questions. There are two different questions. I think from that standpoint, you have to go with the young, promising defensive end who's been consistent so far in his time in Jacksonville. This seems like a silly question at, at face value. But let's just say, and I don't know how this is going to shake out. I really don't uh, with Calais. But let's just say he doesn't play again in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. The impact he's had in three years, does it warrant the pride of the Jaguars? And be careful answering this because it's a slippery slope. You know, you got to be – you can't just put anybody in the pride of the Jaguars. Uh, he's not just anybody. He's already fourth all-time in sacks in this franchise's history. He's made three Pro Bowls. He's been an All-Pro. He's a Bart Starr Award winner, Walter Payton Man of the Year. Jaguars have never had that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the mayor of Saxonville. Mm-hmm. He was part of that defense that was renowned. And, and you know, here's what I think – when I think of the pride of the Jaguars sometimes, what I try to do is say, okay, in 20 years, when X player comes back mm-hmm. and they get introduced on the field, what is the crowd? How does the crowd react? Yeah. And there's different levels of that, right? When I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to put the levels of players, but when Jimmy Smith comes back, mm-hmm. and especially when he hasn't been back in a while, and he's had his his troubles at times, but he's still beloved because of everything he did, and and there's people rooting for him and trying to pick him up, and and hoping that comeback not on the football field, but in life happened and and has, and hopefully stays to stays happening. He gets a loud yep. cheer yep. when Tony Baselli walks on the field. I think it's a little different, with Tony, because he's so prevalent around mm-hmm. here. So it's not like you feel like you see Tony every day. No, for sure. But even when Fred Taylor has been out there before, you know, when Very those guys come back, roars, yep. it's a huge hey, roar. Me, <laughs> go us. That, that was that was my mom in the stands. That's about it. By oh, the yeah. way. But again, we're raising your profile here. So when yeah, you come back yeah, in 20 years, I mean, uh, as long as one one day my face is up in the press box, like <laughs> in that gold statue thing, and if not, I'll take a Polaroid and put it up there myself. I don't care. Somebody stop me. But my face is getting on that wall one day. Yeah. Well, hey, listen. If I end up with a tattoo, you may end up with a loud cheer. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> a loud ovation. But, but no. But I get what you're saying, you though, know, Brett. Yeah. So when. Regardless of if you put him in the pride of the Jaguars or not, mm-hmm. when Calais Campbell comes back to Jacksonville in 15 or 20 years, whether he plays another game or not, yeah, that place is going to be standing on their feet for well, Calais Campbell. And that's my point. And I wonder <laughs> if he's already warranted himself a spot as so, one of the most impactful players in Jacksonville Jaguars history. Correct. And it's 25 seasons, even though he only played three. And I get it. I'm always on the player side. I'm very biased. And so shoot me. Here I go again. 
Um, I think if you look at the past decade, Brent, of the Jacksonville Jaguars, what stands out to you from a season standpoint? 2017. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Without a doubt. And that season was defined by the defense. And on that defense, I think that defense was led by a first-team All-Pro guy by the name of Clayus Campbell, 14 and a half sacks. Um, so, like, maybe should have been Defensive Player of the Year in the NFL. That correct. Year. Correct. So, like, I, I get it. I mean, once again, we can talk about longevity, how long was he in Jacksonville, all that good stuff. I just put it from you know whoever goes in, in the in the in the you know in the in the circle. Um, it's like who has a direct impact, number one, not only on on the teams, um, but of the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And like it or not, but 2017 will it will be commemorated as one of the best seasons in Jaguars history. Absolutely, simple as that. And one of the best defenses in Jaguars history. It'd be tough to top. Exactly. And, and the guy that was leading the way on that defense was Calais Campbell. So I think he did, absolutely deserves to be in the Ring of Honor, even if he doesn't come back next year. Yeah. So I, I think. Uh yeah, the, it'll be interesting. As people vary on that, right? Mm-hmm. People don't want to just put anybody in mm-hmm. uh, the pride of the Jaguars. And I'm a little different. If you look around the NFL, I've been to a lot of stadiums, and you'll look up and you'll be like, well, who was that guy? Sure. You know, you be like, yeah. who was that guy? Like, you'd think only household names would be there, and I feel yeah. like I know a decent amount of the history of the game. But even I'll be like Googling that guy, like, who, who the heck is that? You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And, and to a degree, and I love this guy, I think if opposing people came in and said, who is Brad Meester? Mm-hmm. They would probably have to Google and be like, who's Brad Meester? That's a good point. But I'm not convinced Brad Meester doesn't belong in the pride of the Jaguars. I'd be oh, okay dude, with Brad Meester. He's Mr. Jaguar Mr. in terms Jaguar. of games played. Yeah. Like, I'd be okay with – but there are a lot of people that say, no, 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 no. That, that That's not that, – that, there's a cutoff here. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. Hey, listen, people, Rasheen Mathis. Yeah. Uh, Tom Coughlin will be there someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keenan McCordell. Mm-hmm. Uh, could he be there someday? So, uh, you know, again, people have varying opinions. I respect their opinion on it. I just don't think it has to be this exclusive five people sure. that are in that. I don't care if you have a ring around the whole damn stadium well, in that regard. That's fine. Yeah. Well, let's answer this question, though, Brent. So, Clayus Campbell, maybe we're on the fence about what we think, if he should be in it or not. I think I, he should. I think you're kind of following with me. You say he should, too. Well, well yeah, and I'm completely well, biased on any Calais front, I will sure. totally admit. But, but here's the point, though. Yanni Kangakwe, go back to your question. You have a guy right now at his pace will definitely be in the in the ring, you know, in, in the Pride circle, of the Jaguars. Yeah. Of Jaguars. So why wouldn't you try to keep him? Why, why isn't he the top? I mean, maybe he's a top priority, but once again, that goes to show you just how important, maybe even more important than Clayus Campbell, he's of keeping. Again, from a football standpoint, I can't get by. One of my arguments for Clayus Campbell going to the Pride of the Jaguars is he's fourth all time already in sacks in three years. Sure. Well, guess who's number two all time in four years? Yeah, I can got. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I can't get by that. Mm-hmm. And any Yannick Ngakwe, you're talking about an organization that hasn't been littered with pass rushers. And Yannick Ngakwe is already number two. And if he stays here for another three or four years, he'll be number one and he'll, he'll smash records. Yeah. Like, nobody will catch him, yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. So I, that's the one I'm, I'm stuck on with Yann above anything else that you have to keep him. You have to find a way. It certainly doesn't seem like it's headed that way still. I have a bad feeling about Jan in terms of anything getting done. I don't think he wants to be here, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think Jan's going to have a decision to make because I yeah. do think they'll franchise tackle. Yeah. And that will be a tough decision for Jan to sit out for $19 million. Those are conversations we'll have down the road. We come back. Back to the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes. How many will he win? I'm setting the over-under at two and a half. You going over? You going under? When we continue, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. That's just the type of type of team that we are. That's the type of teammates, that's the type of characters that we have in that locker room. Um, we got his back, just like he would have our back. Um, he, he did a great job tonight, but um, 
like you said, we, we just couldn't get it done, uh, and it was just unfortunate. Raheem Mostert for the San Francisco 49ers, and I think at the end of the day, if you look up the Kansas City Chiefs and they hold him to 58 yards after he ran for 220-something, I think it was, in the NFC Championship game, well, you'd sign up for that any day of the week, and you'd say we'd be raising the Lombardi Trophy. At the end of the day, they were right, even though it didn't kind of go as planned. I think yeah. I think if you told people that Mostert ran for just 58 yards, I think they would have said Kansas City blew him out. But once again, only 12 carries, though, Brent. 12 carries. You know? And that is a, see, that's a good number to say, 12 carries. But what's interesting is they ran, Debo Samuel was the MVP if they won that game, it felt oh, like. Oh, without a doubt. Because he was yeah. all over the place. Yep. I will say this. You know, we'll talk more about the Jags. This is a Super Bowl day, and, and we've talked to Calais Campbell and Tony Baselli. Mm-hmm. And, and it is hard not to sit there and watch that game. And by the way, I said this at 10 to 10 at half, so it's not like they were lighting up the scoreboard. But to watch the creativity on offense, it, it's, especially in that red zone, man. Well, why? Why can't anybody do that? Like you're in the NFL, you've been around football. Why can't we do that in Jacksonville? Is a fair question. Like why can't Jay Gruden? Are you going to do some of that stuff? Like we we praise Flip for a little bit because there was a little bit of that in the first month of the year. Then that seemed to go away. Mm-hmm. But why can everybody else run people in motion, hand off to wide receivers, uh, spin Rookies, in the backfield, run Debo options, a rookie, man. run option plays with their quarterback that's worth $200 million? Yeah. Like, why can everybody else do all that stuff and the Jacksonville Jaguars just hand off, try, run play, say they're going to run play action and don't? I mean, yeah. it's, uh, I just don't get that. Like, they probably do it more than my eyes catch it. But my eyes caught a lot of that stuff last night in that football game. And again, not all of it worked. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it works all the time. But it caught a lot of it. And the other thing, I think I tweeted this. Those two guys, Reed and Shanahan, they use every blade of grass on that field. They they spread it out. They make you vertical. They, they do... They use the real estate. Mm-hmm. And I have seen this offense, and again, this is a little bit labeling the Jags. This wasn't necessarily this past year or even last But over my time in Jacksonville, I have seen the Jaguars play in what looks like a cardboard box, mm-hmm. a 20-yard box. Mm-hmm. Yet I see teams like this play and use the whole freaking football field, length and width. Yeah. And um, I, I tell you, that was it's frustrating to watch because they're all – NFL minds. Some might be a little bit better, but th- these guys didn't just reinvent football. I mean, Andy Reid's been doing this a bit. They've got playmakers. That helps a little bit, but you can still try. They're doing this at the college level. Yeah. So if they can do it at the college level, you sur- sure as hell can do it at the pro level. Yeah. I hope we see more of that kind of stuff. The Jags need to be creative. If you're going to be bad, be creative. So here's the thing, man. I think we're talking about defense all the time, and, and we talk about the ability to adapt and try to, you know, cover the, the offense and everything. I mean, if you watched what San Francisco did, and if you watched what Kansas City did up until the third quarter, I mean, it wasn't anything new, right? Like, at the end, Kansas City blitzed a lot more, got in Jimmy Garoppolo's grill a little bit. He made some mistakes. I get that. But from the offensive side of the ball, you you could tell just exactly where, where the game planning was, you know, and, and that's something that we praised Andy Reid about. Where I guess now what is he? He's eighteen and three after bye weeks in terms of you know planning for a game. And it's from the standpoint of what what do we talk about on Friday? Or at least what did I talk about on Friday? I said I bet Kansas City is going to try to come out and run the ball a little bit. They haven't really done it all year, but 
San Francisco, if you want to call them vulnerable at all on defense, which they're not really vulnerable, but in that wide nine sometimes, you can run the ball a little bit. Well, enter Damon Williams, you yeah. know? And one would say, well, why are you running the ball? Dude, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Tyreek Hill, you got Sammy Watkins, you got Travis Kelsey. Just throw the ball 50, 60 times, go collect that check, go get a Super Bowl, man. But it's not how it works. And I thought that that goes to show, I guess, the genius uh, of Andy Reid. And I get it. The, 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 they were down a little bit and everything, not putting up a lot of points. But, like, running the ball, Brent, especially in the first half, that opened up things in the second half. And the, you look, you go to the back to the red zone, and you talk about, you know, that, that spinning concept that I guess came from 1930 48. or 40, 48, the, the Michigan Rose Bowl game. Yeah. Who were they playing? USC? I was USC. I didn't know they were playing football back then. <laughs> awesome. You know, but, Dude, they've been doing that for a while. No, I, I hear you. <laughs> but, like, you know, th- th- that's just... I get it. Football always it comes full circle, right? Like it does, you, you yeah. took that play from whatever it was, the, the black and white era, if you will. Not sure if they're even wearing pads or helmets, but you took Leather. that play and, and you brought it back. But that's the type of, I guess, just the intrigue. That's the type of fun and just kind of curiosity that you have to have as an offensive play caller, man. Sometimes you have to go to the well a little bit. Sometimes you have to think outside the box. And to me, that's what makes you know Andy Reid and that offense so fantastic. And even Sam Francisco, don't, don't take anything away from Kyle Shannon. I get it. You didn't run the ball towards the end, and it was a bad look for you. But no, He's very those, good. But those jet sweeps to Debo Samuel, keep in mind, Debo Samuel's a rookie, okay? You're asking him to do a lot as a rookie. And he's arguably probably their best receiver right now. I would put him over Emmanuel Sanders. But it's just, you think outside the box. You, you try to reinvent yourself, and you don't get caught in your ego where it's like, you know what, what we do is fine. It doesn't matter who we play. We're going to be successful. No, man, that's not how it works in offense. You constantly have to reinvent the wheel game by game by game and exploit teams on defense. Sometimes you got to take out those old jeans from back in the closet, man. <laughs> yeah, man. feels good sometimes. Breaking back in a little bit, I told right? You, I had that blazer, right? I was like a, te- a decade old. You told me I was a decade old. That was a decade old, and like I was telling Stuart this. When I wore it in Miami, I think for the national championship game, okay. which would have been like 09 yeah. for the, the Gators, Yeah, yeah. I think I bought it around that time. I was like, I'm going to Miami. i got to get yeah. Right, that, that, let's try it. Yeah. So I wear that, and it was like, whoa, whoa. Brent, what you wearing right Dude, there? What is that? I, I'm telling you, right? man. No, but it was kind of like, I don't know if you should wear that on TV. That's going to be a oh, little no. loud. Oh, no, you're like, good. nowadays, nobody yeah. even said anything. It just fits right Dude, in. Dude, heaven so, forbid you walk past the Cleveland, or they would have let you right in VIP. <laughs> like, oh, oh, sir, right this way. We don't know who you are right now. It might be Matt Damon, but please come right this way. Sometimes Here's you got to recycle. Sometimes you got to flex a little bit, man. <laughs> I like it. All right, hey, uh, I'm going to get to Patrick Mahomes, two and a half Super Bowls in his career, over or under. Wait a minute, though. Okay. Before we do that, <laughs> we have some people jumping in on the Calais or Jan, so I want to sure. get to it. First Coast Bubbler says Calais. From a pers- remember, this is public perception standpoint. Yeah. We're not talking football here. Yeah. And we're talking about an offseason that could be ugly yeah. in this regard if you lose one or both of these guys. Josh says, short-term Jan, which is interesting. Interesting. Then the pay Jan movement is strong. Long-term, I think fans would probably regret losing Calais more. Hmm. What he does on and off the field gives him much higher community value. I wish he could retire in teal and black. Interesting. Uh, let's go on. Let's go on. Let's go on. Uh, Doug says Calais is a superhero. After this Walter Payton award, I don't see how the Jaguars cannot sign him. Uh, Matthew says in terms of the pride of the Jaguars, not until Rasheen Mathis gets in. Rasheen should be in, and you're right. Agreed. Uh, not my Richie says both. <laughs> Well, that's sitting on the fence. Uh, Tim says <laughs> is, Calais is a culture changer. The Jags need him more than any player right now. Yannick isn't special. Interesting. The Kool-Aid tell oh, you man, otherwise. Do but he is more likely to turn into Jerry Hughes or Merriman than Von Miller. He's not a physical freak. He is good. 
All right. Uh, I don't know if I agree totally with you there. But guess what, man? Von Miller's not a physical freak, though, either. Yeah. And so the other thing, too, yeah, like Khalil Mack's a physical freak. Of course. Right? Uh, Josh, Allen. Josh Allen is a physical, physical freak. freak. Uh, and I also think people don't understand and don't know the value of, like, at least through my eyes, I guess you'd have to tell, get stories in the building a little bit more of how Yannick Ngakwe, I believe, has grown as a pro. Mm-hmm. His mature. They need more people that are pros, that are serious about their jobs. You know, Andy Reid said something yesterday after winning, and he said, this team is about as good a collection of guys I've had, blah, 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 blah. You know, everybody praises him when they win. Yeah, yeah. But he said, they are about as tough-minded of a team as I've had. Mm-hmm. And that sticks out to me. First of all, Jaguars need to find a way to be physical on the football field, sure. but they need to be tough-minded. Yeah. That's a good phrase. Yeah. And the Jaguars overall as a football team have not been tough-minded. Well, and let's be honest, too. It's a testament but to Andy Reid because... Is. No, he is. And then you know what? And it's not like... The Chiefs are just, you know, this this locker room full of goody goodies. Okay, you got guys like Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey can be kind of a, a a high, you know, profile type of ego driven dude. So you have all these guys in Kansas City, all with different backgrounds. It's like every single at NFL locker room, bro. There's nothing special about him. But the fact is, Andy Reid, for whatever reason, like he he's found the the, the magic sauce where it's like, listen, I'm gonna coach you guys hard. And training camp could suck sometimes. Practice could suck sometimes. I'm gonna chew you out sometimes. But guess what, man? With my personality and the way we like to have fun, you're gonna want to play for me. That's what the Kansas City Chiefs did. Uh, Mitch Linder says Calais must remain in Jacksonville. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Jason says it would be a huge mistake if they don't bring him back. His presence in the locker room is more valuable than people think. I think he's talking about Calais there. Yeah. Uh, so there's some some um, thoughts on Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe. Again, we, we posed the question about uh, public perception-wise, what would be more damaging here this offseason? This is not really on the football field question, even though both are extremely talented players, mm-hmm. and both will hurt the Jags if they don't have them. All right, l- l- last part of the Super Bowl thing I want to get to today. Patrick Mahomes is the face of the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's really awesome. <laughs> I mean, tremendous. You look at, I don't need to tell you that, you watch it. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's interesting because, yeah, some people will say, Jags, how do they not get this guy? I can't believe they didn't get this guy. But the whole league was a little unsure about him. Uh, give Kansas City Andy, a Andy lot Reed of credit. Andy wasn't unsure. He knew right away. Give, yeah. give their front office, Andy Reid, and everybody a lot of credit for jumping up and getting him. I'm not saying they were unsure like a fourth-round guy, but they didn't know. He wasn't ever listed as a top-three quarterback in that draft. Correct. Draft. He wasn't. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so, but I do think... I, I thought about this. I saw a video of Mahomes, and it was like, I think the Players' Tribune did it, like when he was coming out. And I think we talked to Gardner Minshew's dad as well when we were in Brandon, Mississippi. And he says, like, the process of finding quarterbacks is so flawed. Mm-hmm. Like, they look at the height, the weight, the measurements, the throw, the, the speed, the hand size, all that <laughs> stuff. But they never ask him to go dissect a play. Like, they never ask them to, to read a defense in these meetings. Or I shouldn't say never, but they don't do enough of that. We get caught up in all the measurables and the stats and what he did in college and some game tape. But what about the NFL if you see this or that? You know, and Gardner would obviously have been a nice find in that regard. He's a very smart guy. I guess the whole process of the quarterback seems so flawed. If one Gardner Minshew was like one of the last quarterbacks drafted in this class. Mm-hmm. Just because he wasn't a certain height and weight and arm strength. Yeah. And two, if the whole world that scouts football didn't think Patrick Mahomes was going to be great. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy has been a slam dunk 
great quarterback since the moment he stepped on an NFL field. And, yes, he's in a great situation. But this guy would be pretty darn good just about everywhere. I always say it's situational. He would be good. I don't know if he'd be this good, but he would be pretty darn good just about everywhere. Yeah. How did everybody not see that? Mm-hmm. How does everybody not know that? How did just the Kansas City Chiefs trade up to like number thirteen or whatever it was yeah. to get him? Well, how like that's a, it's a flawed process if you can spend your whole life around football mm-hmm. and you can grade people out. Yet you mostly, I say you as like a fraternity, didn't all see yeah. that this guy was a special or Russell Wilson goes to the third round. How are we missing that drastically on the quarterback position? Yeah, so not we in Jacksonville. I'm no, saying the no, league. In, in it's general. not just Jacksonville. Uh, exactly. You know, and listen, it's like you said, when you talk about the quarterback position, you talk about the height. Like, right, it's just like a decade ago, you had to be like 6'4 to play quarterback. You know, you, you had to be a statue in the pocket, ability to take a hit, and you had, you had to have a giant arm to play the quarterback position. And, and now that's kind of, uh, it's a little different now, but everyone's got an idea of what a quarterback should be. He should be so-and-so amount of tall. He should be, you know, have this hand size, and he should be able to make these throws, yada, yada, yada. But, like, if you go back to when I interviewed Gardner Minshew, and after we talked about it at the Senior Bowl, and I said, there's something with this guy where, if you look at the situation in Washington State, you know, in that horrible situation where their quarterback committed suicide, and Gardner Minshew comes in off the streets, getting ready to be a coach for the rest of his life, comes in off the streets and wins that locker room over and literally, like, a spring uh, practice, okay? Won the entire locker room over, and he led him from that standpoint. And wins the job. From the outside looking in, people could be like, oh, yeah, it's football. But I'm just saying, dude, that's not an easy thing to do, okay? Like, you have to earn your stripes. You have to earn the respect of your teammates. And not everybody can do that. I play with some quarterbacks that never did that. I play with some quarterbacks that did do that. But what I'm saying is you can't see that stuff on film. Okay, if you're a scout, if you're a GM, you can't put on film and be like, you know what, this guy makes some really great throws, but I can't tell if he's going to be able to have that dog in him. Is he going to be able to lead the team like I need him to? You can't get that kind of standpoint. Patrick Mahomes, good example. I didn't, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know much about him. All right, when the the Chiefs traded up, I was like, you know, what are you guys thinking? But go back to what Andy Reid says about Patrick Mahomes. And this is, I forgot who Andy Reid was talking to, but it was like a year ago. Go back to when they asked him about Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And I asked him the same question at the Super Bowl. It was kind of a short answer, but um, I, I've heard a longer answer about it. But what clicked for Andy Reid and why Patrick Mahomes was their guy right after that was what he did on the board. Andy Reid threw the kitchen sink at Patrick Mahomes on the board and said, all right, drop this play. Where are you going with the ball? And I guess like Patrick Mahomes' instincts to kind of dissect the play like that and put it on the board is what impressed Andy Reid. Now, Deshaun Watson to was go pretty... go along with that arm yeah, talent? Exactly. Now, Deshaun Watson was impressive, too. Don't get me wrong. But I guess Patrick Mahomes, whatever he did, I don't know the exact details, absolutely killed it on the board. And that's why they were Patrick Mahomes. Once again, you can't see those intangibles on film, Brent. You can't see those at a combine. You can't see those intangibles of a guy wearing spandex running a 40-yard dash. All you can gain from that is just talking to the guy and doing your due diligence. And it's such an intangible position. I know. I mean, it's it, yes, the height and weight stuff matters. Mm-hmm. But what I would love to know, we'll never know. Mm-hmm. And personnel guys, by the way, will lie to you and say, oh, yeah, we would have picked him 14th. We would have picked him 16th. <laughs> I know. No, man. Yeah, I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. Where does he drop to if the Chiefs yeah. aren't smart enough to visualize and see? Now, maybe they had to move up because they did feel like somebody. I, I forget the draft that I'm, I haven't read enough about it. Sure. Um, but... You just wonder.
Like, I mean, could this guy have gone all the way down to late in the first round and he's this gifted? And and what's interesting, I bring up Minshew because he's at the back end of the, the entire draft in the sixth round, but he also doesn't have the, the check-the-box stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, this guy slipped down to the middle of the first round in the most premier position in sports where people will trade their their house, their yacht, their, their anything for yeah. to get up, to get the guy. Mm-hmm. And this guy with, checks all the boxes in terms of arm talent, height, all that stuff, still slipped in the middle of the round. And, and other but, quarterbacks were taken ahead of him. Like, how well, did Brett, what did the Chicago Bears see? Yeah. What did Chicago? Now, listen, I understand you can kill Jacksonville. I continue to say Jacksonville, they don't make the, the AFC championship game in 17 without Leonard Fournette. So I can at least tell you what Jacksonville was trying to do that year. They were trying to get tougher, yeah. run first, build it around. I, I get you. We can ar- debate it all day and we can argue it. And, and obviously, long term, it's probably it's it's never going to stand up. Deshaun Watson, I see some of the magic in Watson, but I also see some flaws in Watson. But Mitchell Trubisky, Chicago, people from Chicago thought somehow in this whole draft process that Mitchell Trubisky was going to be better than Patrick Mahomes. Like, what are we looking at? But here's the case, Brent. You have a guy like Andy Reid who came from Green Bay. He was around Brett Favre. All right. He, He knew Brett Favre very well. He knew what to look for. Then he goes to Philadelphia. Donovan McNabb. I think he was, what, a seven time Pro Bowl, eight time Pro Bowl, Donovan McNabb. He knew what to look for. Donovan McNabb was a great quarterback in his own right. So he kind of had that preconceived notion of this is the type of quarterback that I'm looking for. These are the kind of intangibles that I'm looking for. Was Brett Favre, you know, the highly coveted guy out of college? Absolutely not. Now, Dominic Nab could be a different story. But Andy Reid knew what he was looking for the entire time. And when it presented itself, they went above and beyond to make sure that they got that thing. You know, Obviously, Harbaugh and everything, they want to say, yeah, Lamar Jackson was our guy from day one. Well, you drafted a tight end before Lamar Jackson. <laughs> and, and looking back what we know now, hindsight's twenty twenty. you would draft Lamar Jackson at the number one spot every single year in the draft, okay? So don't sit here and tell me, well, Lamar Jackson was our guy, like we wanted to go in a new direction. No. I mean, yeah, you traded back up to get him. Props to you for doing that. But you also took a tight end before them, okay? Andy Reid knew as soon as Mahomes got on the board that – this was the guy. He has the arm strength. You know, he has the creativity. Um, he has the improv to be a legit quarterback. Absolutely. All right. So the question I asked, and uh, we had one responsive over so far, at least that I could tell. Over under two and a half Super Bowls. Patrick Mahomes has one. He's not even 25 years old. Yeah. I, I think most people would say, you know what? Mahomes is going to win another one. Yeah. Uh, listen, I would not. I wouldn't go against that bet. Mm-hmm. That he's going to win another one. I, I don't think they're going to win like next year. I don't think it's the start of a three-year run or anything like that. But. I do think it's. Uh, I think. I think we have to assume he wins one more at this stage of it. Yeah. But does he win two or more? Does he start to creep into the conversation of guys that have won not just a couple but multiple Super Bowls? Is the guy that good? Let me ask you this one question: Through the next, so let's say, let's say like a seven, eight year career, Patrick Mahomes right now, maybe he wins over two and a half, whatever. That's the number right now. Do you see Andy Reid still being there? I think Andy Reid, I think you have to count on Andy Reid being there maybe another four years. Four years, man. See, to, to me, and once well, again. Let's get him to 60, 61. Yeah, So yeah. Andy Reid, 
get there till 65. I'll yeah. give him. Now, he uh, might coach um, longer than that. Guy's no, coaching sure. to 70. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Andy Reid likes eating cheeseburgers, too. Exactly. I think if Andy Reid's still there, then, they, yes, they have a chance. I think if Andy Reid leaves, then it could be detrimental. Because, well, listen, I'll, I'll say this till I'm blue in the face. I think a lot of success, and don't get me wrong, Patrick Mahomes, fantastic quarterback. But a lot of his success comes from Andy Reid, just like a lot of Tom Brady's success, you could argue, comes from Bill Belichick. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I'm in the Brady camp. I don't think you Belichick are. wins these. Sure. Uh, especially the later ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a f- couple, but not six without Brady. Yeah. Uh, it's a chicken and the egg thing. Correct. But I do agree with what you're saying right now, especially early in their careers. I think mm-hmm. Reed is the more valuable guy in that relationship yeah. right now, early mm-hmm. on. And I do think Belichick was a more valuable guy because people forget, like, Brady didn't throw for 350 and four touchdowns in the early Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. They won with defense and scheme and special teams and that was Belichick yep. you know until he came along much like Russell Wilson did early in his career when they, he won the Super Bowl yeah and and then he took over the reins I think that's the always the interesting progression just because we say a young now that's what's different about Mahomes you know Mahomes is doing this mm-hmm. like Mahomes, the reason they are winning is Mahomes led like but, they didn't the reason the Patriots won in 2001 and beat the Rams was not because of Tom Brady mm-hmm. it was Partly Tom Brady, but it was Adam Vinatieri's leg. It was a little luck against Oakland in the snow game, and it was this defense that, against the Rams' most powerful offense, they they uh, pressed them at the line. They got away with hand checks, and they were physical with those receivers, so they held them down. Yeah, this is all because of Mahomes. This whole playoff run well, and what he's been able to accomplish. But don't forget about this though either, Brent. When Mahomes went down, all right, and Henny wasn't there. They had to go with a guy by the name of Matt Moore, yeah. who I think last time I saw Matt Moore was on Hard Knocks back, like, you know, 2011, 2012, whatever it was. No idea he was still around. Matt Moore comes out, plays, you know, starts three games, quarterback ratings of 89.1, 107.1, and 103.9. Okay? Now, Patrick Mahomes probably would have did a lot better, obviously. But you cannot say enough about Andy Reid's system yeah. to be successful. A, a guy coming off the street, Brent, I don't know what he was doing, but the guy comes off the street and, you know, obviously you lose to Green Bay. You win two of the, the, the three that you started, but you still put up some major points. And that is because of Andy Reid's system. The uh, We kind of asked it all sorts of questions, but did you ever give me an answer on the over-under? Oh, uh, over, assuming Andy Reid stays. So you're going to take two, over two and a over, yeah. so three Super Bowls or more yep. for Mahomes. Yeah. I'm going to take under. Okay. Uh, I, I said Which something. Is, I think it's probably smart money. Well, yeah, I don't know what smart money is. It's in, it, I mean, be it's good. Honest, teams get hit to the game, especially on defense. Maybe so I'll put I'm, a poll question out there and anyway like see. But uh, it, here's the thing. I said this earlier in the show. I do feel like this offense is so good, it's going to be hard to duplicate. Yeah. Like, the Patriots, their best team didn't win a Super Bowl. Over, oh, you know that team that was 18 and 0. They yeah. lost to the Giants, and they were so dynamic on yeah. offense. They've been all different reincarnations of the Patriots along the way. Mm. Will Mahomes and the Chiefs be able to do that? Because these last two years, I'm not sure they'll be more prolific than this going yeah. forward. I mean, it's hard to top. Well, and listen, what my only knock on Patrick Mahomes going forward now is if you have the ball on the one yard line and Anthony Sherman's in the game, please <laughs> hand the ball <laughs> off to Anthony Sherman, man. Plus 1,000 profit that I had some money on, and you couldn't just give him the ball? <laughs> oh, plus 1,000? Oh, it's plus 1,000, man. I thought it was man. plus 150. Oh, no, plus 1,000, oh, Brent. Give it to Sherman. We're talking Ruth Chris kind yes, of money. Yes, you're buying. Yeah. No, I'm not buying anymore because you're <laughs> giving the ball. All right, that's going to do it. We'll see you on TV uh, with some more coverage. Action Sports Shacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. And uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Keep an eye on the news cycle. Oh. Maybe. Okay.
Back here tomorrow. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.